Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hello. Do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shinnihon freak? If so, check out the Super Jcast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super Jcast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super Jcast for all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. What do you guys want to talk about? You are listening to the Flagship Podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. And, and they all die. They all eventually <laughs> die. They, they, they don't understand. You know, they think it's easy. They think it's easy. Uh, the problem is they're just not interesting people, any of them. So, it, you know, they're not telling spreader bar stories. And that, Hell you know, no, they're not. Rich Crage. And you'd start these arguments and be like, ah, that guy's an asshole. Screw him or whatever. And I'm like, well, I gotta go see him in like two days. <laughs> like, you're out there in Texas all alone, like, starting all these fights. I gotta meet all these people. I gotta be at these shows. I have to do stuff. You're like, ah, whatever. Ah, nothing's gonna happen. <laughs> Easy for you to say. And we are live on the flagship podcast. I am Rich. He is Joe. Joe, what's happening? How are you? We are in danger of some more technical difficulties here before the show so hopefully you can hear me and hopefully i'm coming through clear and i'm just going to ramble on and extend this sentence as long as i possibly can just to make sure that uh we don't have any issues this week because uh uh took us a took us a little while to get started tonight it did it did yeah 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 you sound a little i don't know there's some digital gremlins and little scratchies going on on the uh the lands end there but we'll see We'll, we'll fight through it see if it'll uh uh, reset itself but uh, yeah hopefully it does because we can't possibly go through what we went through last week uh that was terrible and uh made for uh, i guess you guys had fun the 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 ten dollar subscribers they had fun uh the people that listened uh uh later uh for free they didn't they don't know they didn't know what 
the fun that was had and the the hijinks and all that. No, they didn't know anything about that, which is good because uh, yeah, what a disaster that was. But uh, so it seems like people liked it. I don't know why people. I mean, it's it was a lot of silence and a lot of us going, can you? And then you talking and me responding to you, but neither of us hearing each other. It was awful. But uh, for some reason, you people like it, so we thank you very much. So as the opposite of the WWE, you people, you know, I did. You people are the reason why I did this. Uh, you people, I love you people because you. No matter what we do, we can we can have silence. We can't hear each other, uh, and you still, for some reason, like it. So we appreciate you very much. So well, we can't get this straight after twelve years, just like New Japan can't get uh, pay per view events on Fight TV straight after uh, <laughs> no, they years. Can't. Yeah, they can't. Can't the air bottle. it. It looks like shit. It sounds like shit. It's yeah. It's it's fantastic. Just great. Yeah. Anyway, well, hopefully we'll do better than they uh, they did, but uh, we'll we'll find out as the show uh, gets going here. But uh, yeah, I was supposed to have some like Xfinity told me they were going to be working on my internet today, so I don't know if they are or not. I then they said they weren't, and who the hell knows? Who who knows? Who knows anymore with this? Uh, remember that? Remember when I called? I found out during the pandemic they were like uh, they weren't letting us stream at like our highest quality, and I caught them on it. Yeah, when was Rich versus uh, Xfinity? Was that like 2019 or something? No, that was 2020. I think it was during the pandemic. It was like, um, I want to see it was either May or June 2020. And uh, and yeah, like I was doing tests and like I would I would sit down at seven o'clock or seven thirty or whatever on a Tuesday and do a speed test and it, it would be this and then I would do it on a Wednesday and it would be this and then I would do it on a Thursday and the test would be like a quarter of what the speeds were on Tuesday and and and, and Wednesday and then I did that for like three straight weeks and I was like all right what's going on guys like and they're like oh let's get we'll get a guy out to take a look at it like well, okay what's he gonna oh on Thursdays oh yeah that's because this cable's loose that's why on Thursdays all of a sudden the guy comes he goes. Ah, da, 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 da. You know, he's on his little machine and he goes, I think you're good. And yeah, no problems ever again. It was perfect after that. So, um, you know, caught him, found him. That's all right. How dare yeah, you? You were, uh, you were not so secretly sassy during your battles with your <laughs> internet provider in those days. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I, am I sounding better than I was? A little our, bit. Uh, yeah, you're kind of digitally. I don't know. You're just kind of digitally today. I don't know how to uh, how to describe it, but uh, you sound like Kevin know. Kelly doing a uh, a new a remote uh, New Japan show. Well, we're probably using similar technology, so <laughs> right. it, make, it makes sense with a similar un- amount um, of understanding of, of audio technology too. Probably, so it's all right. I don't. I don't know. If it's an insult to me. If that's an insult to Kevin Kelly, or an <laughs> probably ins- to, it's ageist and it's it's an insult to both of you and it's ageist at the same time. Jeez, oh, is what okay. it was. But I was what I was going to say, if you yeah. let me, is that it doesn't audio quality aside, the quality of what you guys say stands out, and it's why people love you. No, I think you're just saving yourself. <laughs> you're, you're you're working stiff, and I didn't appreciate it, and uh, now you're trying to backpedal. That's all right. Um, I'll store that away. I'll, okay. I'll have a, I'll have a, I'll have a receipt for you later. How about that? Oh man! All right, we'll we'll see what ends up happening. Or how you give me? But uh, yeah, we got a lot. We got a lot to get to. This is a crazy week. We talked about it last week. Like in real time, as we were previewing all these shows and discussing, well, that's going on next week, and that's on the weekend, and that's co- we started to realize, oh my god, this week is going to have a thousand things that we're going to have to cover, and a thousand things we're going to have to talk about. Uh, and we're going to talk about every single one of those thousands of, of things. We're going to talk about Elimination Chamber, of course, the big main event, Roman Reigns versus Sami Zayn, the decision. 
how could you possibly have Roman Reigns go over Sami Zayn? How could you possibly have Sami Zayn defeat Roman Reigns and end the title reign? We're going to talk about that, what decision we would have made, all that other good stuff, and also review the rest of the show, although the rest of the show nobody really cares about and everyone's really just talking about uh, Reigns and Zayn. But we'll talk about that. I'll talk about Ariel Hawani and and really just like, what the hell are you doing, brother? <laughs> like is what I, I put in our show notes. Is I, I don't even know how else to describe it, but we'll try to break it down and, and, and figure out what the hell uh, is going on there. Uh, we are going to touch on New Japan's Battle in the Valley, as we mentioned. Um, audio quality and, and uh, uh, crowd miking and, and video and melting screens aside, like a very fun show to discuss. So uh, we'll talk about Battle in the Valley coming up here very, very soon. Uh, also, New Japan's uh, uh, and CMLL are doing their Fantastica Mania uh, thing. It kicked off yesterday. Uh, and there's another show today, and then we'll talk uh, about uh, what the rest of the card looks like, or what the rest of the cards look like, what the rest of the tour looks like. It's running through the end of February. Uh, some pretty fun stuff there. Uh, New Japan Cup, we will get to the New Japan Cup brackets. Uh, we were going to touch on it last week. We ran out of time. Uh, we'll hopefully have time to do it real quickly uh, here, because it is starting March 5th, so uh, we do want to get to that. Uh, and then in the world of All Japan Pro Wrestling, yes, there's a new Triple Crown Champion. Yuji Nagata has defeated Kento Miyahara to become the Triple Crown Champion. Uh, we'll talk about that. There's another title to uh, change uh, as well in All Japan Pro Wrestling. So some fun things going on in All Japan, uh, including the Champion Carnival, which is starting uh, April 8th, uh, running through May 7th. So we have plenty of time, obviously, for that. But we wanted to touch on the blocks uh, and how things are looking for that carnival so far. Uh, as well, including two X's, two TBDs uh, in, in in the tournament uh, as well. But uh, let's start off first, show with uh, one of the biggest shows of the weekend uh, in my mind. And it was the Keiji Muto Grand Final Pro Wrestling last, last was in, in quotes, so last love holdout. Uh, Keiji Muto's final bye-bye show from the Tokyo Dome. 30,096 people in the Tokyo Dome to watch the final match of Keiji Muto's career. Well, final matches of KG Muto's career as well as Okada versus Kiyomiya uh, and some other fun stuff up and down the cards. So how do you want to uh, how do you want to start this show? How do you want to attack uh, this 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 Muto final show? You think they really had over 30,000 or you think they uh, <sighs> wanted to get it to that arbitrary number there and maybe fudged it up a couple hundred or 97? I wonder. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah, because the days of like truly like ridiculous lying about attendances has, has kind of passed us up. But like you're saying, like, did they maybe, were they, uh, you know, X, you know, slightly short and bumped it up to that 30,000? I don't know. I, I have, 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 has anywhere else clarified that or was that just their number that they released? I guess we have to kind of take them at their word, right? Yeah, I don't think we'll ever really know. I mean, if this were 30 years ago, they would have called it 55,000 or something. <laughs> 77,000. Um, a few of those Ricky yeah. Choshu Tokyo dogs. It was like, Ricky, funny. Like, <laughs> the one I always remember is the Josh Barnett versus Yuji Nagata one where like if you watch the video and 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 uh, myself and Andrew Rich went back for the uh, Kings of the Tokyo Dome series uh we did it uh for flagship Patreon uh we watched that and I forget what they announced for that show like 45,000 or 55,000 or whatever and you watch the show and the whole upper deck is empty and you're like well, that's a lot of people on the floor then so uh yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 some of those were super egregious but uh yeah like you're saying we we would if this was 2002 this show is 55 60,000 for sure but uh yeah as Gerard is telling us in the uh the chat room co-host of the Emerald Flow Show here on the uh, Voice Wrestling Podcast Network. Uh, they stopped selling tickets before the show. So ideally, if they, you know, 
makes him think that it, maybe the number is a little bit more legit because they stopped selling the tickets. But I don't know. Who knows? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying there was twenty thousand people there. I'm saying did they? You said were they at twenty eight thousand one hundred and fifty and said ah fuck it make it thirty ninety six or something? Just we we want to get above thirty thousand. Just say something. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, there's obviously a ton of people there. It didn't look like it was a uh, fraudulent number. But no, it looks great. It was a, a how many aesthetically great looking show. How many shows will do more than this? Uh, both nights of WrestleMania. What Royal Rumble have? Like 40. Royal Rumble. Let me see what. Alamo Dome. Oh, yeah. With the official. <laughs> I don't know about the official. Uh, well, it had word. more than this. It had, more, it had than this. more than this. Yeah. What they officially said was 47,585 for, uh, uh, for Alamo Dome. Where's SummerSlam? That's in a stadium. That is at Ford Field in uh, Detroit. So that, that'll definitely right. be more. That'll beat this. Uh, that's, that's four. This beat Wrestle Kingdom by about 4,000. Nothing else in Japan will touch this. Um, what other stadium shows does WWE have on tap? Or going back to the UK. I don't know if they are uh, this year. I'm not sure if they are this year. I don't know if Money in the Bank, I don't think they tried that last year and that didn't f- work. So I think they're going back to uh, 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 just doing the Money in the Bank and a normal thing. I think it's just SummerSlam for, from here on out. I have no idea. Survivor Series, I don't think they've done uh, in, in a while. So, yeah, I, I think... We're probably, yeah, four or five shows tops are, are going to come anywhere close to this one. And even if they do another, if they do a stadium for a B pay-per-view, they might not get to 30,000. Um, so this has a chance to be the fifth biggest attendance in wrestling this year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, the Mudo retirement stuff has all drawn. The question now is now that he's gone, where what you know where's noah going to level off that's the big question so i think the first big show post this event didn't they just announce jake lee challenging kato kiyomiya so i don't know what building that's in someone in the chat surely does uh so we'll see what that does we know that noah has not done great in corkin especially compared to the other promotions in Japan that run that building. And now we see uh, Kiyomiya takes a loss as expected to Okada. Pretty definitive. I mean, you know, the two Rainmakers, he just beat the shit out of him and pinned him. Um, that's the trade-off. I mean, New Japan went 4-0 against Noah on this show. Look. Definitively, has the- definitively 4-0 too. Definitively 4-0. And New Japan has the high ground. The bottom line is this. You want our talent for the show. You want us to help you fill this dome. We're going to win the matches. I mean, that's just the way it goes. You know, when when one promotion has the high ground on the other and you want to do business with them, you need them to help you out, there's going to be deals made and concessions made. And as we've seen in a lot of these joint shows between New Japan and Noah, New Japan almost, not almost always, they always get the upper hand. And on this one, it was a clean sweep. And, you know, the big one, of course, being Okada over Kiyomiya. You know, Naito over Muto, ah, it's Muto's retirement match. And kind of figured he would lose that. And that's really not that big a deal. But having your champion lose in the manner that he did to their champion especially when the whole buildup was Okada just having no respect for him whatsoever, you know, going back a year saying he wouldn't even wrestle him, Um, you know, and then in the aftermath saying there will be no rematch. I'm not interested in wrestling him again. 
Now, look, do they have something else planned for a year from now, two years from now, when Okada's no longer champion? I mean, you would hope so. I'd like to see them wrestle again, and I think it'd be really cool if Kiyomiya gets that win back at some point. Would it shock me if they never wrestle again? No, not at all. I mean, it wouldn't shock me at all if this is it. Uh, because, again, these are the kind of concessions you have to make. You want to put... You, you want our help to put 30,000 people in a dome, and you don't think you could do that without us, without Tetsuya Naito, without... Look, if New Japan didn't participate in this, who's Muto wrestling on right, this card? Right, right, right. So, you know, you're kind of between a rock and a hard place, and Okada Kiyomiya was an exceptionally strong semi-main event. So, you know, you're just going to lose the matches. That's all there is to it. You know, you really don't um, have a choice in the matter. So... You just don't have the high ground. It really, I I think what what this show showed me more than anything is that for the last couple of years, Noah has been able to have these big time shows and have this pomp and circumstance and all these big stadiums and, and, and Mudo and the the shows look great and you got a great stage and you got all these fireworks and you have all these, you know, all, all this really cool looking stuff. And aesthetically, again, Noah's shows aesthetically look great. They're in big stadiums. They're, they're getting, you know, big stars and legends of the past or whatever. But when it, it came down to brass tacks, like you see where they are in the pecking order right now. Now Mudo's gone and the New Japan guys were like, all right, no, we're coming in and you need us to, to sell this place out. We're, we're going to beat all your guys and then we're going to leave. And then you're up to your, you, you know, you're on your own now. You know, Muto's leaving, we're leaving, you're on your own. And that, that to me, it, it kind of showed where they were in that pecking order that despite all of this that they've tried to do over the last couple of years is, 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 is get additional eyeballs on the product, get additional people watching Noah. And, and yeah, we're, we're talking about it more than we've probably ever talked about Noah over the last couple of years. And, and they have undoubtedly gotten more attention, but did that, how is that affecting business? Has it affected business so far? We're going to find out. We're going to find out. Right now, the Corkins are not a good return. They're they're just not. They're not a good return whatsoever. But who knows? Well, they ran they ran they ran Body Maker and and did the worst attendance of the three promotions that ran there in that short amount of time. I understand it was Jack Morris was the challenger, and that's not an especially strong challenger. But that show barely did two thousand fans for Kiyomiya versus Jack Morris. But here's the thing. How many challengers for Kiyomiya do they have that are exceptionally stronger than Jack Morris? Right. Who do they have? So who do you think would have drawn significantly more than Jack Morris in that spot? And I'm not arguing that Jack Morris was any kind of super strong challenger, but who else is there? I mean, you could go to Takashi Segura, and he's always been a reliable draw within the context of this promotion. Um, You know, especially what, you know, there's times they've put the title on him, and he draws above and beyond the other guys in the company. Uh, who else, you know, especially now with Muto gone, there's been less and less of a presence of some of those older shooters on the roster too. And who knows with Muto and, and potentially Nosawa out of the picture, those those guys might not be around either. You can't lean on them. So, um, I don't know this match against Jake Lee is going to be Nokohama and that's a 3000 seater. And, you know, I, I don't expect – we'll see. I mean, I don't, I, I'd be very surprised if they flip the building. I'd be very surprised. You know, Jake Lee flopped in all Japan, a smaller promotion than Noah. Um, you know, and he's going to be uh, – you know, it, it, maybe being the new guy here, you know, he'll be somewhat hot, um, and, and, and that'll be a big – but look, he worked the pre-show. 
on this <laughs> right that, that, that i was gonna say I mean, yeah he I, I thought i was watching the main show and then all of a sudden you know jake lee got his pinfall and it was over and then all of a sudden they, they panned to the back and all the lights are on i'm like oh that was the pre-show oh <laughs> shit you know crap all right well that's you know that, that's it's strange yeah and and so i was gonna do this little thought experiment with you because and and your point led right into that of okay so now mudo's gone the the shooters are probably soon on their way out you know, the guys that were really the the tent poles of this company in a lot of ways over the last couple of years, the, the people that were the idea was we're going to get more eyeballs on Noah because these guys are here. Right. That, that was the goal. The, the, the end yeah. goal and the result of the show that we watched this weekend was that more people will know about Noah and will watch Noah and subscribe to Wrestle Universe and subscribe and go to our shows and do all these sort of things. And, and we'll see about the business end of that as well. But when you look at the roster, I think that's where it really comes into, you know, into a spotlight of. Well, now, what, what what's next for Noah? Because I look back at a show from 2020, from February 2020, right before the pandemic started of, of Noah. It was their, their 20th anniversary show from uh, February 24th, 2020. Now, this was pressing Noah, and it was in Nagoya, and they got like 812 people. And obviously, not a great attendance, not a great show, all that sort of stuff. But that's kind of where they were at at this time. That's before the really the infusion of uh, of of whether you want to call it talent or legends or, or capital, whatever it was, because there was obviously cyber fight did go a little bit extra with Noah over the last couple of years, but you look at the card and, and, and I just wanted to list some names that were on this card. And Joe, I want you to tell me if they're in better, worse, or the same position that they were two years ago in, in today's. So if I say, you know, dragon Bane, you're going to say, well, <laughs> it doesn't matter. What are you talking about? Why are you giving me dragon Bane? There's no point in giving me dragon Bane. But then if I said Nakajima, you're going to say, okay, where well, Nakajima is either at this point in 2023, better off, worse off, or the same that he was in 2020. Now you remember Noah in 2020, right? That's not that foreign. That's not that far away for you. You, you can, you can get wrap your head around Noah, right? Okay. Right. Okay. Let's do that. I'm going to pick out a few names here because there's obviously the major names. Uh, so the main event of that night was Segura versus Kiyomiya. Now, so uh, Takashi Segura, is he in a better, worse, or the same position he was three years ago? I'd say about the same. I would agree. Uh, Kaito Kiyomiya, better, worse, same. I mean, in theory, he would be better. The counter to that would be Muto came in, signed a two-year contract, wrestled Kaito Kiyomiya four times, and Kiyomiya beat him once. And now Kiyomiya, as champion, challenges Okada, begs him for a match in kayfabe, begs him for a match, kicks him in the face, finally gets him to wrestle him. Okada treats him like a punk, then beats him like a punk. Look, I I, I don't know how that's going to affect Kiyomiya with the ticket-buying public. The early returns in Osaka weren't great. We'll find out in Yokohama with Jake Lee. So I'm going to give you a cop-out answer. And I'm going to say incomplete. I, I don't know. Yeah. No, I, that, that's, I have it on my notes and I just wrote the biggest question mark. Because I, I want to say better. And ideally, like you said, in theory, better. If I just laid it out for you, if I just said, here's what's going to happen. You didn't watch any Noah over the last three years or whatever. You, you have not watched a single bit of Noah. But I laid it out for you and I just said, okay, um, here's what he did. Here's what happened. And here's where he is right now. You would probably say, yeah, you know what? Probably a little bit better. But seeing it happen in real time. I would say slightly better, but not the amount better that you would want considering where he was three years ago and where he is today and what they did with him over those three years. You would want him better. And I don't, again, the fact that you're not saying yes, immediately better is a problem. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying my best to not say worse. Right, right. And that's, he needs to be 
he was on in February 24, 2020. He was main eventing against Segura, not successfully winning the title, but but challenging for the main event. What built, what building was that? That was in Nagoya. Nagoya what International Conference Hall Event Hall. What that draw? Uh, eight hundred twelve. Eight hundred twelve. Yeah, I mean, that's not a big building or anything. Um, so it's hard for me to, you know, draw a comp there. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying my best to not say no. I am highly skeptical that in the two years that they had Muto around, that they successfully elevated Kiyomiya. And I would like to be wrong, and maybe I will be wrong. It's certainly not the way I would have went about it. I mean, we've we've talked about it a billion times. I mean, I, you can argue for Muto beating him the first time. He should have never beat him again. You know, maybe they didn't need to wrestle four times either. Maybe they wrestle twice and Muto wins the first one. And then you do a two-year st- story where Kiyomiya has to prove that he can beat Muto. And then he beats him in the second one. I will live with that. You know, um, Kiyomiya wrestling that guy four times and beating him once. And then getting punked out at the end of the match with Muto just doing everything he can to make sure that no one thinks the win matters. I don't know, man. I, you know, tried to warn people about yeah. this, and oh, now yeah. we're going to see. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I have seen I, I have seen a lot of that. We're, we'll review the actual matches themselves here in a little bit. But you know, I have seen a lot of people say, you know, oh well, people are all on Muto for not giving the rub to Kiyomiya, but they don't say anything about Okada when Okada. It's not Okada's job to put this guy over. And make him look like a million bucks. Like maybe he should have. Like I, I, I fully believe that Okada probably should have said, you know what, let Kiyomiya beat me because we're going to make more money with that later down the line. You know what, he can beat. We'll, we'll go. We'll do a good match. You, you come out of nowhere. You surprise me. You beat me. You come back to Dominion, or I come back for that. Whatever. We could probably make more money if you beat me here. But that's not Okada's job. For Okada, he has. He just has to get through this show, pin this guy, and then his life can go on. His life. He will never think about and he will never be related to Kiyomiya ever again in anything that he's ever going to do. You know what I mean? Like he oh, does hold not on need a second. It's not even it's not even his decision. Like it's not, not even Okada's decision. Can he lobby for it? Sure. We all know Muto's been pu- run, pulling the strings for the last 2 years. He, he Muto calls his own shots. Muto calls his own shots. Muto uh, was the de facto booker because what he says is going to go. That's the difference here. You know, Muto, Kiyomiya beat Muto once in four tries because that's what Muto wanted. I mean, that come on, that's all there is to it. So I don't even think it's a fair comparison. No, I, I, Okada I agree. Got, yeah. Okada got booked for a show and got told what the finish was. I mean, you know, so it's not even, that's a, a silly comparison. And, and even comparison. if he did, and even if he did, even if he didn't go in there and say, and I don't, I don't believe that because Okada's never shown that to really be his personality or whatever. He doesn't, he's not wired the same way. But even if he did show up and say, nah, I'm not putting that guy over. Fuck that. I'm not doing that. Okay. It's, it's like, it's not his job. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's not, it's not like, you, you know what I mean? Like, he isn't an employee of Pro Wrestling Noah the same way Amuto was, the same way all these other people were. For Okada, he's coming in here to help them draw this show. And yeah, there's just no reason for him to have to kind of 
give anything back or, or do whatever. I mean, again, could he have lobbied and said, no, 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 have, have Kiyomiya beat me. That's going to be better for, for us to all make more money, whatever. But like at the end of the day, it's not his job, whereas it should have been Keiji Muto's job. Keiji Muto's job with a two-year contract should have been, all right, here at the end of these two years, this guy needs to be a made man. This guy, th- if there's one thing we're going to do, we're going to get eyeballs on this product, but we're also going to make this guy because eyeballs don't mean anything if once you leave, there's no one there to pick up the pieces. And that, I'm afraid, is where we're at right now. And, and again, well, we'll find out, but I, I think that's where we're at. Well, how about this? Why, why if, if this was going to be the match at this show, why didn't Noah have their title on somebody else so that Okada wasn't beating their champion? Did Kiyomiya have to be the champion in this match? I don't think he did. I mean, the, the match still has the same symbolism whether Kiyomiya was champion or not. So why didn't Noah make sure that their title was on literally anyone else coming into this? Couldn't their title have been on Kano or just name anyone by the time this show rolled down? So that Okada at least wasn't beating your champion, right? I mean, he was still going to win the match, but he didn't. But this way, he wouldn't be beating your champ. I mean, that's just there's just so so many little things that they could have done differently. Well, and and the other thing too is the way that Kiyomiya has been beaten and the way he has been treated. I think makes this because honestly, watching this match, I I heard about the match before I watched it. I saw a lot of people say, "Oh my god, oh my god, he buried him, he did that, yeah, all these sort of stuff." Watching the match, it wasn't as bad as I kind of thought it was. And I think people described it as being like a real, I don't think so. Like, I, I yes. Did he definitively pin the guy? Yes. Did he definitively win the match? Yes. Did he do two and Rainmakers and say, get the fuck out of my ring. You hit chump. He did. But I thought the the meat of the match did. Kiyomiya did have some offense. It did, did do some things. I think he, I, I think Okada gave Kiyomiya a lot more than Muto gave Kiyomiya in a lot of their matches too, where Muto was kind of laying on the ring and and and, and lying down and just really not doing anything, and Kiyomiya having to kind of walk around him and and carefully walk on eggshells around him until Muto decided he either wanted to beat him or that Kiyomiya was going to get that win. Where I thought this had a little bit of back and forth until they said, "All right, go home," and then Okada just hit him with the two rainmakers. But regardless, like in a vacuum, this match itself wasn't that bad you know and if, if Kiyomiya didn't have what happened to him over the last couple of years and Okada just went in there and beat the Noah champion pretty definitively people would just say ah whatever but the fact that we're already kind of gun shy about oh my god another destructive loss for Kiyomiya like that again that and that's also not Okada or New Japan's fault or, or problems so it's just it, it's it's strange how, how this it is. wasn't well it wasn't a squash but it wasn't anything close to like a 50 50 oh no 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 not at all with like a hot closing stretch and it can go either way, super drama. No, Okada dominated the match. Let's be honest. This was nothing like those late seventies, early eighties matches where like the AWA champ would take on the NWA champ and they would go to a 30 minute draw or a 60 minute draw. They would do a double count out. And you know, like, like I, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but like Harley race and, and uh, Bob Backlund would go, you know, 50, 50 and then do a double count out or something. It was nothing like that. I mean, it was very clear that Okada, the idea behind this match was Kiyomiya is not on Okada's level. And man, I don't know if I'm Noah. I don't know if I'm exchanging you know, one big dome house for punking out the guy I'm trying to make my ace for the next 10 years. And oh, by the way, he's also my champion too. I, I don't know if I'm doing that. I at minimum, he wouldn't have come into this match with the title. 
you, the optics you know, you, the optics are pretty rough where yeah yeah okada picks him up uh, that, you know the one two pick him up and then hit yeah. again and then pin him just to make sure you knew that no this guy is the, and and again like i said that was the, to me the theme of the show was Noah is nowhere near New Japan's level. You can have all these big stadiums and you can be in the Tokyo Dome and you can have a bunch of explosions and and lasers and big screens, but you ain't you are not anywhere near our level because we came in and we 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 told you what was going to happen to this night. We told you we were going to go 4-0, we're going to definitively beat all your guys, we're going to definitively beat all your champions and then we're leaving and you guys are on your own. But we are you are nowhere near us right now. Is 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 essentially what that show was for New Japan versus Noah, which is is pretty wild. And it's, it wasn't like the other Wrestle Kingdom was much better. Like that was kind of the same. You know, they gave a yeah. few concessions here and there with a few little matches, but for the most part, New Japan came in there and just fucking wrecked shop. Like we all thought, oh, not, you know, Kano will beat Naito and maybe Kiyomi will beat Okada. Fuck no, they just beat all those dudes and said, "Bye, we're out. Have fun." Two years of this, yeah. So, you know, and and the thing about bringing Muto and all these older shooters in is, is a let, you know, the idea is it attracts the lapsed fans. Well, now they just see your roster is inferior to new Japan's roster. So even if those people are going to stick around and watch wrestling, I mean, you've loud and clear over the last two years, you've told them that new Japan is the superior roster, the superior product, the superior promotion. So, but those, again, those are the concessions you have to make in these scenarios. You don't have a choice. You don't even have a voice at the table to fight back or or negotiate. No, we'll pull our guys and good luck putting fifteen thousand people in this place with no opponent and and no semi main event is is what would have happened. So I don't know, but now we see, you know, and Yokohama is the first test, and you know if, if they have a super no vacancy full house for Jake Lee versus Kiyomiya, all right, that's you know. Maybe they, maybe, you know, they shut people like us up, you know, and maybe that's a sign of, of, uh, of they'll be at the same level that they were while, while the Muto retirement stuff was going on. Um, I, I, I don't see it though. My prediction is they, they fall off a cliff here and, um, they haven't done enough to establish Kiyomiya as, uh, you know, I mean, the guys just got punked out at every turn. I mean, that's just all there is to it. <laughs> really and it's has, not yeah. just, it's just not, and it's not just Muto and Okada either. I mean, we've seen it with Fujita, other guys, yeah, Fujita, Fujita and everything else. And, um, you know, at minimum, he could have been beating those guys, but it's just, you know, it, it's, it's a zoo when you bring these guys around, hopefully they're gone. Um, hopefully Muto's gone for good. I've had a, I've had enough of Muto. I, <laughs> we'll talk, about, we'll, we'll of talk about that in a little bit. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it right now. Well, I, mean, I, I, I want to go through it. the rest of the Noah roster here just to kind of give you a quick little. Oh yeah. We're doing this exercise. Yes. Yeah, a quick little yeah. snapshot of just, just cause again, like I think people aren't quite realizing that once those dudes leave and once all that money and, and uh, you know, all the, the, I did real quickly though. I did find it funny. You're talking about how, why a casual fan would ever watch, you know, Noah and not just go watch new Japan. The best part about that entire show was, New Japan just got a reunion show on Noah's dime, right? Yeah. It's yeah. Tiger Hattori. <laughs> it's Shono. It's Fujinami. It's Mudo. It's all these guys just fucking around and they're all they're all New Japan guys. And then they're like, thanks. All right. <laughs> Appreciate it. Have a good one. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, we sold 30,000 tickets. Okay, cool. <laughs> like, uh, anyway. Uh Go Shiozaki. Better, worse, same. <laughs> Man, he I forgot he was there. Yes, exactly. So worse, he wasn't right? He was on the show. Yeah, I mean, definitely worse. His yeah. body's broken down. And yeah, he's probably... Uh, uh, semi-main event was Goshi Ozaki and, and Shuhei Tanaguchi. Is Shuhei Tanaguchi better, worse, or same? 
yeah, you know, again, this is a total non-entity anyway, but even he would be worse off than he yeah. was two years ago. Yeah. Uh, they faced Hideki Suzuki and Kaz Vuchita. Yeah, I mean, Suzuki's there, and, um, you know, I, I'd say same, but not a difference maker in any way, shape, or form. Never has been his entire career. And Fujita, again, never been a difference maker in his career in any way, shape, or form. Um, and even if he sticks around, you know, he, he he will continue to not be a meaningful draw or anything like that. And so they're both the same, I would say. Okay, so we have nobody, <laughs> two people not improving. Kiyomiya, question mark. Segura, no, probably worse off. And then two other people about the same. So, great. All right. Uh, any of the Rattels? I mean, they're not, because now at this point, we're not even talking. You know, I'm not going to skip those guys, because they're not they're not relied upon to be draws. They're not meant to be. I'll go to the uh, guys preliminary that matter. Wrestlers. Yeah, I, I'm going to go to the guys that matter. Uh, Naomichi Marafuji, better, worse, same? Uh, the same. He's not interested in being pushed. He, he, his body's broken down. He can't push him. So, I mean, the same or worse. Uh, Kazuhiko Nakajima. Um, I mean, probably worse because in the interim, he's gotten himself into hot water. He's hurt some people legit. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he felt like a guy who had reinvented himself and had had a chance to be a real player. And now he's just he, he also comes across to me like a guy who's had the confidence beaten out of him, too. Yeah. I would say that swagger is worse. not where it was a couple years. The ago. swagger's the swagger's gone. A lot of that's his own doing, but I would say he is a, in a significantly worse position than he was two years ago. I would agree. Uh, Cano, maybe maybe a little better. I'd have to try. I'd have to look back and see. Who do you wrestle on that show? So he wasn't on that show, actually. So I do. Uh, I I went to 2020 there just to make sure I got Cano. But yeah, he was not on this 2020 show that I was looking at. I would say. Uh, here, I would say. But... I would say he has raised his stock in the last two years. Yeah, and I would agree with that too. So I I think he is better off now. Is that better off enough that you can put him on a bill and 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 sell a thousand tickets? I don't know that. But I, I do agree. I think he he has his confidence to me has risen, and and, and the Congo and all that sort of. I, I think he, yeah, I, I I like Cano more, and I think he's better off now than he was a couple of years ago. So he is probably the first easy for me thumbs up guy. Uh, yeah, so this, he's he's oh, a good stock. I would agree. So I, I went to this 2021 show just because the 2020 show that we were kind of running out of like guys that I think were. Um, you know, relatively. So we'll we'll just go another year. We'll go to February twenty fourth, twenty twenty one, to give us our last few main eventers here. Um, Masa Kitamiya. Uh probably about the same. I would agree. He's just a guy on the roster. He's fine. Yeah. Uh, Manabu Soya. Manabu Soya. Um, again, I mean, I I don't know. Just the, the same. Yeah. I'm just. <laughs> I'm not, hey, I'm with you. Um, yeah, I don't know who else. Like, I mean. That's what I'm saying. Who else comes to top of mind now when I when I when I mentioned Noah guys that you say, oh well, yeah, what about uh, you know in terms of guys that can draw, you know, is is, is Amakusa better off? Yeah, of course, but like, oh my god, yeah, wait, wait, but but way no one, off. I mean, they're not. Nobody's buying a ticket to see him. He's a junior. He's right, a junior. Right. Yeah, I mean, who's who's <laughs> right, who have my they point. There's my point. That's it. I'm done. I don't know anybody else. Uh, Ata, who? you know, I, I, you know, Ogawa. I could name other dudes. They got dudes. They they're they're not short of dudes. But Jake Lee. I mean, yeah, they have Jake Lee. They have Jack Morris. 
Um, yeah, they added a couple guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. Jake Lee not exactly wasn't exactly lighting the world on fire. It's not like Jake Lee they found out of obscurity and I mean he was in all Japan as a top to push guy. Like you know he was there. Jake he was Lee. he was available to any other you know all Japan didn't exactly light the world on fire with Jake Lee. So Jake Lee bombed in a smaller promotion. That's their next title challenger. I mean that's there's no way around it. He bombed in a smaller promotion. Now they might do a better job with him. We'll see. I, I don't like the idea of your next title challenger for a pretty big building is a guy that worked the, the pre-show match on your last big show. That's not exactly heating a guy up for a big title challenge. So look, this promotion is not well booked and it hasn't been for years. That's just another example. Why wasn't Jake Lee winning a big singles match or scoring a big fall in a tag I don't know, fourth from the top on this show because he wasn't going to get any higher than that. Why, 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 you know, to set up the next, to set up this match, why did that not happen? I know it's a rhetorical question. I'm not looking for an answer, but that's another example. They just, it's, it's poorly booked. And that's kind of, you know, and, that, and there's kind of the end of my exercise. Those are all the names that I, I had written down and then I found is like, in terms of guys that that you could put on top of a show. And and so we ended up with Kano, definitely better. Kiyomiya, incomplete slash probably no. Yeah. And that's our list of guys that it, I've been improved over the last three years. That's not good. That 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 is not to me worth the investment. Because yes, you got the eyeballs. You got people looking, you have people you got people's attention, but they're gonna what are they gonna do, come to? They're gonna come to a show and see this wasteland. Afterwards, and, and it's, it's I mean, I say Wasteland, and, and like I like the Noah roster. I think it's a really good roster. Like we said, all those, a lot of the undercard guys, I like. I like a lot. But in terms of like top tier talent, top guys, people that you can draw people, this is what that goal should have been over the last couple of years. Is let's have, let's have a few dudes. Let's have Nakajima be ready to go. Let's have Kenobi ready to go. Let's have Kiyomiya be so clearly ready to go. Let's get those guys ready to go. And like you said, we have Kano kind of or Kano, yes, Kiyomiya kind of, sort of, probably not. And Nakajima's worse off. And that's, you know, and then the other guys are, there's just no, they they didn't develop anybody in these couple of years. And and that to me is oh, going to well, be the biggest issue. Listen, it's almost as if the best wrestling podcast in the world tried to tell people that the last huh. two years were all about putting your eggs in Muto's basket. And it was Muto being all about Muto and not giving a shit about what he left behind. It's almost as if oh, the best man. wrestling podcast on the planet tried to tell people that. It's like we were right because we've been around this thing for a while and seen how these things go. I know it's go, it's so crazy. And as the chat room is pointing out, uh, no chat room, uh, Sochi Kojima as well is saying that he is, uh, he's gone from Noah moving forward too. So, but again, like I don't, he was the guy that you were using as a stopgap anyway. Like I don't want to count him in this exercise either because I I don't want to count. I want, I want to count new dudes. You know what I mean? I want to count the next generation of guys. I'm not going to, you know, get, I loved, I loved Kojima. No, I loved it. He was great in Noah, but I'm talking about, okay, when all those guys leave, when all the legends are gone, now what do you have? Well, okay, go do a nice little number in your little 3,000 seat building in Yokohama. Yeah, is up. that asking too much? Is shut that asking up. too much? You know, and, and, and that, that won't exactly close the door on this if they do that, but it's a nice step, right? And then let's see, you know, now that Muto's gone, if you can keep running your Budokans and, and, and all these larger buildings that you were running in during his retirement tour and the run-up to the retirement and everything. If not, then it was left in the same place that 
that that that you know Mutonis Cronies found it, which was always the fear that I had all along. Oh yeah, yeah. We 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 uh, we, we warned you two years ago. We warned you three years ago when when Fujita was starting to creep in. We were saying, don't let these guys. These guys are gonna come. They're gonna get their shit, and they're gonna get their shit in, and then they're gonna bounce, and you're gonna be in a fucking wasteland. And uh, well, they benefit themselves, and then they get the fuck out. Now you listen. You put all your eggs in that basket. You, you drew a couple nice houses, some really big houses, some great houses for his retirement matches. Uh, you know the three, three or the three various. You know the, the 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 Nakamura match, this match here in the dome, the tag match. Uh, that's great. Yeah, they probably but made some money. They probably made some dime. That's good. They made a lot of money. They did a listen. The retirement tour was a massive success. There's no doubt about it. Um. It was hard to tell how they were doing before that because we were in the pandemic times with limited tickets, and that's that stuff is so hard to parse out. Uh, we know now that the Corkins aren't doing well. The last GHC title match they had didn't do particularly well in Osaka. Now we find out in Yokohama. So um, this is something we keep an eye on to see the state of Noah now in the post-Muto world. And soon we find out now as far as the you know that, that we the the Kiyomiya Okada match just in a vacuum. I thought it was a great match. I mean, oh, I loved it. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, and Okada is working. He's just the way he's working this year is he's like a man possessed. I mean, there's just so there's there's hatred in his work against all opponents. Not even just in this feud where that was the basis of the feud that he just didn't have respect for this little prick and wanted to shut him up and beat him, and he did. And that's the story they told. But, you know, even the Jay White match at Wrestle Kingdom, where I thought the back half of that match was spectacular after a little bit of a slow start. And Okada himself, I thought, was was phenomenal in that match. Um, he's been working like this all year. So, I, I, you know, and obviously that was the best match on the show. Um, if, okay, this is one of those weird things because if you're a huge KG Muto fan and you were wrapped up in the emotion and the pageantry of the, I could see you preferring the main event. I get it. Me, I don't really hold him in much reverence. I've, I can't wait for this guy to be gone. I'm so sick of talking about him. I think the discourse around him is tire is tiresome and bored with it. Um, I think wherever, you know, he comes into these promotions and everyone gets sucked into the KG Muto vortex. And it's just, I, I'm glad he's gone. I've had enough. Uh, I, I'm, I'd be more than happy, to, you know, if this is real, and I, I feel like this will be real. Um, but in terms of, if you leave the emotion part out of it, okay, Okada Kiyomiya was the best match in the show, and it was an excellent, excellent match. No, I, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. In, in a vacuum, obviously not, you know, focused on. Oh my God, what is this going to do for Kiyomiya? Oh my God, what's this going to do? Oh, the Barry, like, just like stripped down to its like actual bell to bell. Yeah, it was a fantastic match. And like I said, I think Kiyomiya looked better than people give him credit for and looked better. And, and Okada gave him a little bit more in the middle part of the match than I think a lot of, because a lot of people are going to focus on the end, which again was very definitive, picking up at two, hitting the Rainmaker again, very definitive, very obvious, you know, where, where, you know, where in the pecking order they were. But I thought a lot of the work before that was good because Okada again is doing this thing where he's just a fucking prick and he's an asshole. And he did it to, he did it to Tanahashi at Battle in the Valley too, where he just, he doesn't take his guys seriously. He thinks everyone's beneath him. He's, he's, I, Hey, I'm the new, I'm the top of New Japan. I'm the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. You're not on my level. And Kiyomiya briefly 
got on his level for a little bit until Okada said, no, 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 dude, you're not on my level. And then boom, boom, two Rainmakers is done. And that's kind of what happened with the Tanahashi match as well. Tanahashi got a little bit of going in the Battle yeah. in the Valley thing. Yeah. And then he said, all right, all right, we're done here. Boom, boom, you're out. You know, it's it's over here. When I decide it's over, it's over. And that's, I, I like that style. And I like the way that Okada is working. And I, I, I liked a lot of this match. But no, I thought this was a high level wrestling. Uh, and there was a lot of good wrestling on the show. But this is the match to me that felt the most like high level. This is two dudes at the top of their game going out and having a great match. And that's why I kind of wanted Okada to lose to Kiyomiya because I really do think that these guys have something here and they have something kind of cool here. And it would be fun to see them trade wins back and forth. But ultimately, I get it. I get Okada, you know, or New Japan thinking, well, we don't really need you, buddy. Like, you know, we, we're we good. We don't really need Kiyomiya to come to our, you know, Dominion. We'll sell tickets whether you're on the show or not. Um, you know, would it have been fun? Sure. But I absolutely get Okada and New Japan's stance of saying, well, no, we're not going to give this guy oh, I would, I would, I would be stunned if Kiyomiya beats Okada on a New Japan show while Okada's champion, that's not going to happen. Could they have something planned for when Okada is no longer champion? Sure. I mean, I, I you know, a year from now, six months from now, um, two years from now, three years from now, when Okada is no longer champ, could Kiyomiya get this win back? Could this be a super long-term thought-out thing where they, they do have a series of matches over a number of years or something? I mean, that wouldn't stun me. I don't. I don't expect it though. I, I really just feel like this was the concession Noah had to make. You know, you, you want to do this? You want to help us a little show? Our champs beating your champ, and yeah. he's punking him out in the process. I agree. That's all. I, I would be stunned if if they ever go back to this. And I, I, I think again, I'd love it. I would love it. I think they had a really cool thing going here, and I like the story. And I, I, you know, watching these two guys in the ring, it's like, oh, okay, these guys have you know a dynamic, fun style, and I'd like to see these matches. But yeah, ultimately, if 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 that's it, then you know, I fine with me. I, I get it. I totally do. But uh, no, I thought it was good. And and as uh, uh, Connor in our in the note of Sharon points out uh, as well, and Okada's, I think he did this in the Tanahashi match too. He's been doing the Insiguri then the Emerald Flosion, and then hitting the Rainmaker. So he's starting to kind of grab little bits and pieces from, you know, historical wrestlers and put them all into one. Uh, and that he did after the, he did the first Rainmaker to Kiyomiya, then did the Insiguri, then the Emerald Flosion, then hit him with the second Rainmaker. So I'm just going to hit you with every major finishing move in both of our company's histories. And now you're gone. Get out of my ring. Bye. All right, well, he's been, yeah, he's been, he's been doing the Anoki stuff for like a year and, and just throwing in the Noah stuff is just an added kick in the dick. I mean, that's just, this is why I'm saying, like, <laughs> right, right. you know, okay, this is why I'm saying this was not worked like a traditional two world champions from opposite companies faced each other. And they, it was not, this was a dominant win, especially by those standards. Um, you know, even though Kiyomiya did get some offense in the middle part of the match, I mean, yeah, it's just, yeah, he just, uh, and, and, and it only won 16 minutes too. I mean, it's not like, again, they didn't go 30 minutes and have this back and forth epic. You know, which I think could have, even if Kiyomiya lost, that could have really helped him. I don't think this helps him at all. I mean, I don't think it, it may not necessarily hurt him. It could, but I, it definitely, this match did nothing to help him. I, I don't see how Kiyomiya came out of this looking better. One thing they did, though, was in the post-match, which I thought was interesting. He got walked out of there by his boys in tears. The same way Okada got walked out of the dome that year he lost to Tanahashi. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, all which, right. Thought was interesting, and the camera focused on that. So you know, maybe that's a little foreshadowing, both both a little callback and foreshadowing at the same time. And you know, maybe they do go back to this match at some point, and Kiyomiya grows and learns and beats him, or just starts being and a then, prick. I think I, we need Kiyomiya to start being a prick. That's what we need. Not for this nice guy shit. 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't think he's got it he, in him, but hey, well, he's, you know, he, we'll see. He, you know, he's a he's a world champion and a company ace who gets booked like he's still a young boy, and he gets and he and he even he even his energy is that of a guy on the come up and not a guy who's there. It's so weird. It's so weird. By this point, he should be grabbing it by the throat, and he should be the dominant alpha of the company. He's not. He's not. And, you know, a lot of that's due to Muto, and it's whatever. I mean, I, I don't know. And maybe he just don't have it in him. But he's not showing it yet. Um, but as far as the Naito-Muto match, I mean, look, I thought it fucking sucked. I, but, all right, good because that's my hot take it's like i saw these people being like oh it's a love letter to wrestling <laughs> and i was like I, I and again if you are invested in this mudo thing if you haven't been watching all these matches if you actually care about this guy maybe i guess but like i've been watching all these and i don't care about the guy i just kind of want him to go away <laughs> so i was mostly just ticking the the seconds down saying when is this asshole gonna get to Steenoed and just get off my screen so i don't have to ever see him again like that that's where i was and i get i totally get if you are if you just dropped in for this and you've not watched any of these other mudo things you might think this is kind of fun and kind of interesting and 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 oh it's a love letter to 90s per or whatever i've been sitting around watching this fucker for three years at this point or two years or whatever i'm done with it i'm sick of it i just want him out of my ring bye bye go away bye bye so like I'm just ticking the seconds down, hoping and praying that Knights is just going to beat this guy and we can move on with our lives and stop talking about KG Muto. But uh, yeah, I, look, so that's I where have... I was. So it, it sucks because I, I objectively cannot tell you if I like this match or not because I, I'm not objective about it. I went in thinking, go away, bye bye, leave, please. And that I just didn't care about all the other stuff. I just well, didn't I think mean, it was that good either. Like, I don't know. I, I just it wasn't good. I am being objective. The guy can barely move. It's the same Thing I say about all his matches, I cannot suspend my disbelief for a guy who can barely walk. It's absurd. I think it's absurd when people like Kiyomiya have to sell for him. I think it's absurd that Naito has to work down to Keiji Muto and slow his shit down and wait for this guy to get in position and sell for his weak looking shit. So um, I just, you know, from from a technical standpoint, the match sucked. I was bored out of my mind. I couldn't wait for it to end. Um, you know, but I totally understand if you're wrapped up in the emotion of the event. I get it. I really do. I honest to God get that part of it. But like Rich is saying, I'm indifferent on Keiji Muto, and I actually dislike a lot of the back half of his career and his politicking. He's the Japanese Hogan. And I've had enough of him from that standpoint. And I've had enough of his tired old man routine that the guy just can't go between the bells. And I'm tired of watching wrestlers in their primes and close to their primes having to compensate for that and sell for this tired, old, broken-down husk of a man. It's not interesting to me. Um, so I, I didn't find it compelling or interesting in any way. I mean, went up for the moonsault twice and just showed the frustration of, um, I just I can't do it because I'm gonna I'm gonna my my legs are just gonna explode if I do this. I can't do it. So I thought that was interesting. Um, you know, and, and I thought he, he strategically placed those two spots to get the maximum crowd reaction. And the crowd was hot for all of this. So it's a confusing review. Look, I understand if you found it to be special and you enjoyed it from that standpoint. I really do get it. And I'm not trying to take a big giant shit in people's cornflakes. Okay, I'm not. Because if you enjoyed it from that standpoint, I understand. And that's fine. Me, 
I had no use for this. I just, I didn't, I'll never think about this match again. I'll never, God, no, I'll never watch it again. Um, and I didn't think it was good. I mean, you know, it was totally carried by atmosphere and emotion and the place and time and all of that. And um, good riddance. I, I am so tired of watching this guy. I'm so tired of talking about this guy. I'm so tired of um, the, 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 the circular debates that surround him. And I, you know, and, and as far as just uh, in a vacuum, um, this obviously was not a good match. I mean, it, you know, you really have to stretch the limits of, of what's good. If, if, if you thought this was a good performance out of him or, or a good match, I just, I don't know for me. Yeah. And that, that's the melodrama stuff is never going to really land with, with, with me as much as, you know, some people love that stuff, but you know, I, it, I don't really need love letters to wrestling. I just need pro wrestling. You know what I mean, like, like I, I don't. I, okay, well, how was this a love letter to pro wrestling? Because anyway? they, because because they were referencing you know moves from the nineties and Mudo goes to the top rope and he's gonna tease the moonsault, but I can't do it anymore. I just I've, I'm not what I used well, to see, be I, and that, type that, of stuff. See, but those moonsault spots I liked because it kind of represented okay, he's really done because he can't even do the moonsault. Like he knows his body can't handle the moonsault. This is a nice bow on his career. We all expected him to do it, but he didn't because in kayfabe, he felt like he couldn't right? because he physically couldn't do it. That part of it I enjoyed. The endless string of Shining Wizards that I've been watching since 2002, <laughs> I, I have no use for it. I mean, I, 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 you know, I, I just wanted it to end. And if I wasn't, if I didn't do this for my job, I, I, I honest to God don't think I even would have watched the match. Yeah, 20, 28 minutes, 58 seconds uh, long. Hey, long I, I would have watched Okada Kiyomiya and x right out of that motherfucker because I really didn't have any interest in watching this. And and I respect history. Look, no one can say that we don't respect history. <laughs> no, certainly not. I, I just had it with this guy. And I've seen enough of his Noah matches. They're never good. Um, and and I really wasn't interested in this, and it didn't win me over. Right, we're I not dropping watch. in. We we have watched all of this from from day one yeah. until now. Like we have watched every single one of these KG Mudo main events. So you got to understand if you've seen all the like you watch this one, imagine this one, and then imagine it like you know fifteen more times. Yeah, that's kind of what we've been dealing with for a couple of years now. So yeah, it, it, it's I'm good. Bye bye. I'm, I'm, I'm done. The, the the Chono thing was cute. Um, again, it didn't hit me on an emotional level. And I'm going to tell you why. In real time, I was a Noah slash All Japan guy. I was not a Three Musketeers New Japan guy. And what's funny is this happened in a Noah ring. You know what I mean? Like, it's so weird. Because well, that's what I'm saying. They, they got a New Japan reunion show on Noah's Dime. It's fantastic. It's the best work I've ever seen. I, out of the Musketeer, like, I, I loved Mudo in real time. Like, when, when I, if I want to reminisce about Mudo, I'll watch him when he could go. I mean, I've had this rant many times. I'm not going to do it again. I don't get off on watching these guys when they can't go anymore. In fact, it it, it doesn't. I it, not only does it not do anything for me. I I you know like Fujiwara in recent years, watching Dory in his Dory 70s, Funk. I was going to say Dory Funk, the shell of himself. Unfortunately, going out it's there. It's just it's it's a, it's a sham. It's a I can't. It's just it, I can't take it seriously. Well, you always reference like you didn't. You know it. If you were watching Willie Mays in the, you're not going to want to watch Willie Mays on the Mets. 
flopping around in center yeah, field. Yeah, falling all like, over himself and everybody laughing about how bad Willie Mays has become or, you know, Babe Ruth on what was it? The uh, what, what team did he go to afterwards? Braves. Um, the Braves. Yeah, that's right. Where it's just like, here's Babe Ruth. And it's like he's fat and terrible. And can't, like, I don't want to watch that. Like, that's not exciting or fun to me. Like, that, that's, you know, one of the most depressing sports things ever was when, um, Scottie Pippen returned to the Bulls after his his his, his Rockets and his Blazers years, and they're like Scottie Pippen. Everyone's like, yeah, you know, a lot of these people that maybe weren't watching the Portland Trailblazers or whatever. Just and he was horrible. He was terrible, and he retired like halfway through the year, and he was just limping around and bad. And it was like, oh god. Like, listen, the thing about it is, pro wrestling is stupid enough, and there reaches a point where guys hit a certain age. And it's different for everyone where I can no longer take them remotely seriously as a physical threat. And it just, I, I cannot enjoy a match. I mentioned Fujiwara. I mentioned Dory Funk. Muto hit that level over the last couple of years. Ric Flair crossed that line at a certain point where it's just completely absurd watching people sell for these tired and brittle old men. And I find no enjoyment in it. I find no nostalgia in it and I find no emotion in it. I just don't. I, I I can't get into it. So the Chono Muto thing, you know, the idea that Chono never had a proper retirement match and it's his old buddy and they went in there and did this little thing for a couple minutes. Is is I mean, I'm not gonna say <laughs> could I, I be an asshole now? Sure. Okay. I I'll be the one to do this. I feel like this was Muto's last politic play here, right? You know, I've seen some people pitch that theory. This is Muto I don't Cardi know if shit. I agree. My man was scheduled yeah. to lose his retirement match to Tetsuya Naito, right? Yeah. Okay. Naito bounces out of the ring, rolls out. He's gone. He's out. And again, he walks out on his own. Mudo's in the ring by himself. Now, Mudo then can now once again kind of control how he wants to go out and who he's going to. To me, it just it, it reeked of the same cronyism shit that he's been doing for years and years and years. Instead of letting Naito have that moment, which again, whatever. I don't care that much. It's not going to bother me. It doesn't bother Tetsuya Naito. It doesn't bother New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's just one of these weird things where, of course, when it was done, I was like, of course, he was going to find one more way to get one over and just one more way to kind of control the last little bits of his career. And it's bringing Chono in there and doing the the match and saying, I'm going to give you, Masahiro Chono, your retirement that you've never got. And then Chono taps him out, quote unquote, and then they stand up and they hug and they laugh and they you know cry and all that sort of To me, it just it was like, uh, it's, I, I don't know if that's the right way to retire. I, 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 I just feel like it's a little bit more. It's just a little bit. It's just one more kind of cronyism. I don't know. I I, I hate yeah, to be I an asshole. I, it was cool. It was a cool moment, and I liked Shono getting that moment. But I just thought it was. I was like, of course, Keiji Moto would find one more way to 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 make sure that a not a younger wrestler, but make sure that the next generation gets nothing out of him, and that his buddies get something else again. Yeah, maybe. Um... I don't know. I, I mean, I who's on the cover of the magazine? Have you seen the Japanese magazine out this week? Yeah, yeah. It's Chono and Muto. Nah, it's yeah. fucking no Naito. <laughs> he ain't there. Yeah, but Naito doesn't need this run. I, I agree I that mean, Naito doesn't need it. I just, you know, the, the, the optics of it were very I, I know what you're saying. They're just so I, Mudo. I know. I know what you're saying. Um, the one thing I'll say about the Chono thing is it, it gives me much more confidence that Muto's really, truly done. Um. Because for whatever reason, that's the energy I got off of this. So, and I hope that's the case. But um, 
Yeah, I don't know. It didn't it didn't tug on my emotional heartstrings the way it did other people. And and remember, Rich, I lived through all this. You know, I'm not 25 years old. I mean, I watched all these guys in real time and it, it still didn't do anything for me. But again, I wasn't a huge New Japan guy either. Maybe if I had been a, a huge New Japan guy in those days, but I I I never really cared much for Chono either. I I you know, I'm not gonna shit on the guy after the, you know many years after he's been retired i think most i mean i think most people could objectively say that chono stopped being good after like you know 2000 like he he, and it's not his fault his body just completely broke down to the point where he couldn't do but like because like i i liked like 92 93 and i was i didn't watch this in real time obviously going back and rewatching this like 92 to 94 chono solid yeah it's the 90s we're on you start and then by like 98 99 2000 i think he's terrible and then everything else afterwards is like this guy is awful he he had a he had a cool aesthetic and he was fine, but I was an all Japan guy. I, I was an all Japan guy. I wasn't a new Japan guy and I liked Mudo. I always liked Mudo. Um, and Hashimoto, I've grown to like better as I've gotten older. And oh, I, time, I didn't really love like Shinya Hashimoto, man. Yeah. Going back and rewatching his stuff. Now I fucking love the dude. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't care for him much at all in real time because I wasn't into that. Um, that style at the time, the, you know, I was more into the all Japan guys dropping each other on their heads and, um, and that kind of shit. So, and, but Chono, I'd never really, I don't know, cool aesthetic, cool gimmick, but he never really connected with me at all. Um, so I don't know. It was, you know, I don't want to completely shit on it and I, I don't want to be super cynical the way you are. But I could totally see where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah. I hate to do it because it was a cool moment. I want to like it, but I just know the party's involved and the party. I should Look, say I'm the party gonna, involved. I should say the party involved. I'm not going to blame anyone for being cynical of Muto. You, you know, I mean, that's you have every right. And you, you probably you, there's a good chance you're correct. But um, it's whatever. It's, you know, um, as far as the rest of the show, I mean, I loved Hiromu versus Amakusa, and I've been trying to tell people that this Amakusa, as far as a reinvention goes, it's like night and day. I thought this match was phenomenal. I, listen, you want a hot take? I'll give you a hot take, Crate. You just gave up. Here's my hot take. Amakusa is more dynamic than Hiromu is. Whoa, there it is. There it is. You got one guy, he's got a bunch of eyeballs on his gear, and he comes out with crazy colors, and you're saying Amakusa is more dynamic this, than Hiromu Takashi. At this stage... Amakusa's got fresher legs and is a more dynamic wrestler than post-broken neck Hiromu is. I'm not saying he's more charismatic. I'm not saying he's a bigger star. Uh, I'm not even saying he's a better wrestler, but he's the more dynamic performer, if that makes any sense. What's uh, what, ages between the two? Hiromu is 34, 33. Uh, I think I'm he's a, somewhere I'm a, in that. I'm a, Amakusa's no kid. He's Isn't he like forever. he's like 36, 37, right? It might be pushing. I think 40. he's older. Yeah, he's... yeah, let me see if he's yeah, let me see where he's at here. Um 37. Amakusa is 37. Yeah. Hiromu is 33. Yeah. So they might both be a little older than people think. Yeah. But um, but I thought this match rocked. I like I, it. I That's even, spicy. I, a great, it was great. I and I and you know what? I will say, I don't know if I'm ready to jump onto where you, you where you're going there, but I will say that Amakusa impressed me more in this match than than Hiromu did. Amakusa's got my attention. And I, I told you last week in the preview, I'm like, Amakusa can bring out the old Hiromu in this one because Amakusa has that same kind of energy. And I thought this match kicked ass. And I thought it was the second best match in the show. Um, it was, you know, the Okada Kiyomiya match, this match, and then 
the um, the interactions between Kento Miyahara and and Nakajima to me were the were were really carried this show since for me personally the main event didn't really do anything for me those three things carried the show and I thought overall this was a very good show because nothing on this show was bad except for the Nosawa thing and everything else that <laughs> I forgot that that even happened yeah that's so bad yeah and, and everything else in the show at minimum was pretty good or interesting or or inoffensive. Like I, I those honestly, three things in particular. I love that Congo uh, versus Miyahara, Aoyagi, and, and Suwama match. I love because there was a lot of hatred in that match. You know what I mean? That's that's something we don't get. We don't really get that that much in, in modern Japanese wrestling. That's one of the things that like when you go back and watch a random match from you know the '90s or a random match in the early 2000s. Guys get in the ring and they just don't fucking like each other. You know what I mean? And like whether they don't like each other in real life or that's just kind of the energy that they were projecting, that's fine because it makes it a lot of fun. And this was a match where like these dudes just fucking hated each other. You know what I mean? And like we're having fun beating the hell out of each other. Even Nakajima and Miyahara like kind of smiling and then being like, all right, motherfucker, let's do this. And then fighting. And then there was, you know, the moment where Kano and Nakajima are both kicking Miyahara at the same time. And and Kento is just such a, a perfect shitbag, too. You know, he does a move and then does his like his little crowd thing. You know, his, you, I'm doing the arm thing. You know what I'm doing? People that know Kento yeah. Miyahara know what I'm doing. I'm doing it right now. And it's just, it was good. And there's, you know, the crowd just like, ah, oh, boo. You know, it, it, it was good hatred. I, I love that. And then Kento Miyahara, after the match, slides out of the ring. And then Masa Kitsumiya's sitting there. And he's just like, fuck you. you know I mean? like, yeah. He's just like, hey, fuck you, motherfucker. And I'm like, what? Yo, you know, that yeah, was, let's go. <laughs> that was that was great. But here's the problem with that. I think that means we're getting him versus Kitsumiya and not Nakajima. Well, yeah. Yeah. That. that, that yeah, but I, you know, I can do I can do Kento versus Kitsumi. I think I'm fine with that. No, but, that's yeah. But I, but, I, mean, I agree. I would rather have Mia Hart versus Nakajima, but but yes, you're right. Oh, we have to have it now. I mean, look, there's all that history. We never thought they'd share a ring, let alone be against each other. And I I thought it was great that they started the match. They didn't waste any time. They started against each other, but then they didn't touch, which I thought was brilliant. Right. You I'm know, sitting they, there and I'm like, oh, the, the tension. Did you have that same yeah. tension? I was just like. They're going to have to get in the ring together, right? And then I was starting to think, oh, maybe they can't get in the ring together. <laughs> maybe, like, halfway through that match, I was thinking, oh, maybe these dudes cannot get in the ring together. So they were going to have them start off and then kind of, eh, eh, and then get out and then just say, all right, you guys stay apart for the rest of the match or whatever. So then when they both got in there, I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> what's going to happen? No, but then they, they just did some spots where they, you know, did count. They didn't touch. Basically, they didn't touch. Right. And then Nakajima tagged out. But when they got back in the later... You know, they work together just fine. In fact, I think it's a little funny because I might be reading too much into it or whatever, but I feel like Nakajima worked a little light with him. Oh, he did. He did. I, I, I was I was worried. I'm like, is he going to give it to this guy? But he didn't. He worked light. I, I agree. The kicks I were I thought lighter. he worked like lighter than he usually works. Almost like let's not even tempt fate here and let, I'm just going to work light with this guy. And Or they're just the greatest workers and they're fucking buddies and you know, they're, they're doing, you know, and we're being worked, which is great too. But um, I, I feel like he, he, he visibly worked lighter than he usually does when he was in there with Miyahara. But man, I thought Miyahara was so fucking great in everything he did in this match. His mannerisms, yeah. his, it, it is now proven. He worked in front of 30,000 people and I'd have to check, I, you know, I, I, I'm sure this is the biggest crowd he ever worked. Oh, in front of, I would have okay? to. Yeah, I, I would. No, no, see, I don't. I don't want some nerd in the chat bringing up some match when he was a young boy on some dome show a thousand years ago. But the point here is, 
as a dude, as a dude. As Kenta, I, I can't recall him working in front of a crowd this big. If there's one I'm forgetting, it's whatever. That's not my point. My point here is what he proved on this night was his charisma will play in front of any crowd. That's what he proved yeah. tonight. Mm-hmm. There's been questions about big fish, small ponds. All right, he doesn't in cork in front of 1,600 people for a triple crown defense, or he does it in the old Yokohama bunker in front of you know 1,300 people, or he does it in Osaka 2 because all Japan can't run Osaka 1 in front of 900 people. But his charisma wouldn't play. No, bullshit. He proved tonight, or not tonight, but on this show, that his charisma will play in front of any crowd and that he could hang in any promotion because this was a big building, the biggest building in the country, a big time event with a, with a, a lot of people in the crowd who maybe had never seen him before too. Cause you got all these older laps fans coming to see Muto and everything. And he got over like a motherfucker and his charisma was palpable. This guy could be a star anywhere. And that's why, He's so far in a way. We always say this so much more charismatic than anybody in all Japan where number two isn't even close. He's the best worker and the most charismatic wrestler in all Japan by a mile. And he could slide in anywhere in the world. Uh, you could put him on an AEW show next Wednesday and, and his charisma would translate. Oh, yeah, yeah. That song would play. Maybe enough people wouldn't make noise he would make sure that they made noise like he always does He'd get over he yeah. would get over and then he'd get in the ring he would do some cool shit he would do his little hand thing you know halfway through the match and then by the the the, the end of the 13 minute match or whatever he'd be the most over guy in the entire show because people just be going nuts for him yeah he yeah he yeah, fucking he, rocks and it, you know and and we had a guy in the main event who's one of the most charismatic wrestlers in the history of wrestling in muto you know we did a lot of shitting on muto but he's one of the charismatic most charismatic oh, of, course, of course of course and biggest stars in the history of wrestling he's a fucking legend i i, I want to make sure people know that i know that i'm just tired of the guy yeah i just That's, don't want to watch 52 year old kg muto you 60, know 60, 60 whatever the fuck he is now i don't want i'd like to i liked him when he could stand up and do things as opposed to lay down and not do things like that that's just the way i am yeah i would go trust me we we pitched and we talked about doing a lot of muto content uh, you know, as he was ramping up to this retirement, doing deep dives, doing, and then eventually we're just like, I'm fucking sick of this guy. Like, screw it, we're not that gonna do it. But I was gonna, yeah, we were planning on doing a Mudo and WCW deep dive, maybe, or going back and looking at some of the All Japan stuff. Like, he rocked, he rocked, but it's like, yeah, I, I just don't. I'm, I'm rocked, Mudoed out, but rocked, <laughs> but he doesn't rock anymore. So yeah, but Miyahara was, you know, he 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 did his thing, and and I love Nakajima, I really do. But Miyahara is so much more charismatic. I mean, you know, it's not even close. And I think that reflects in, in you know, their careers, as we've seen. You know, Nakajima always fails when he gets on top. And Miyahara is the go-to ace in all Japan that they always have to go back to, like like they are now. We're going to talk about him more later in the show, too. But um, we've already done over an hour on this Dome show. Uh, was there anything else you, did you want to fly through the rest of these with some short thoughts and then move on? or um, It's up to you. I mean, I don't know that I, there's anything really else to say about. Yeah, look, so, looking at the rest of it. It's up to you. If you have anything, yeah, I I'm, I'm I, I think I'm good. So you had Daiki Inaba and Masakitamiya against uh, Yasutaki Yano and Yoshiki Inamura. And it was just a, you know, a typical match that you figured you would get out of those guys. Um, then we had the Tokyo Joshi Pro 8-woman eight, eight tag. A lot of screaming. A lot of screaming in this match. Uh, a lot of uh, 
lot of uh, very tiny girls wearing frilly skirts screaming at the top of their lungs. Which... <laughs> I take it you did not love it. So I I mean, it was fun. Like, I think it was fine, good. I it... think it was good. Yeah, it, it wasn't great. It was it, it was fine. If this is an offer match intended to get me interested, it did not. I will never this, you know, the, you know, the magical Makito. girl was there, though. The, not even the magical girl could get you. I mean, no. Oh, no. Right. I want her to do a trick and disappear. And, and that's the magic <laughs> I want her to do. And take take the other seven with her and never come back. That's what I'd like to see. Um, it's just not my thing. It's never going to be my thing. Um, these little sprites flying around the ring screaming. I, I can't. I, Rich, I can't take it. It's not. I want Stan. Han- I want. All right. Maybe not Stan. Han- <laughs> I, was gonna say. I want. That would be amusing. I want Aja Kong and fucking Bull Nakano to run in and just lay waste to every one of these fucking geeks when I watch this stuff. I can't take it. Um, Good-looking guys defeat Segura Gun. We already kind of talked about that because not exactly the best push for Jake Lee here going into a title match. But I thought Timothy Thatcher, you want to talk about getting punked out. This dude tags in and immediately gets pinned in short order by <laughs> yes, Jake Lee. Yes, he did. Yeah. And then yeah. Jake Lee was Jake Lee doing like the whack off motion afterwards. Did you want like he pinned him and I, he was doing something with his hand, but then they cut away and I'm like, I don't know what's going on here, but OK, sure enough. Yeah. And I forgot Kojima was even in this match. And so I'm reading it now and I know he was there physically, but uh, uh, maybe in spirit, he was more there. I don't even remember him doing anything in this match. But yeah, this was uh, who uh, Kojima. No, he was in there. I mean, but but yeah, as soon as Thatcher got in, he took that boot to the face and got pinned. It was just done. I so like I don't it. know. You know what? If, I like it. <laughs> That's how I would have booked it too. Um. Then we had uh, Daga for some reason is in the mix. With- <laughs> what do you mean? For some reason, when you can bring in one of the most boring <laughs> luchadors ever, you gotta bring in Daga. With uh, Eita Hayata, uh, Hayata Yoshinori Ogawa, Chris Ridgeway, and they they beat uh, Alejandro. Uh, Junta Miyawaki, uh, Sushio uh, Kote, Kotegi, uh, Seiki Yoshioka, and Yohei. And again, it was, you know, it's a 10-man tag, and it it was precisely as what you think it would be in a six-minute match with those 10 guys on the undercard of a show like this. They were really flying through these matches. And, yes. You know, yeah, yeah. Then you got the, DD, the, the, the DDT showcase, which, again, it was fine. Um, you know, all those guys, all the guys you thought would look good in a match like that did. Um, you know, nobody really had time to be like the standout or anything like that to me. But, you know, you had your mouths and your Tetsuya Endos and your Uenos um, uh, and people like that in the match. And I, I wasn't familiar with one or two of the people in this match because I don't, I'm not locked into DDT. Um, you know, I'll watch the big main events when people tell me to watch them. You know, I watched uh, uh, Higuchi. Oh, shit. Who did Higuchi lose title to? He lost title to, uh, I hate to put you on the spot. Oh, Endo. Was it um, Endo? No, 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 no. Um, God damn it. Where's the, uh, hold on. I got my notes here somewhere. Uh, Higuchi, um, fuck did he just, oh, Hino, Yuji Hino, Hino. Yeah. Uh, You know, so like when people tell, I'll watch the big title matches. Did you watch that or no? I did not. I did not. They just did a million chops. Oh, I think, I think people counted and they did like 700 chops or something. Mm. It was just like, I'm over that. I'm over that. Like, I understand why people liked it, but. I also um, like it better when it's Kensuke Sasaki and Kenta Kobashi, less so when it's, you know, Yuji well, Hino. And <laughs> that's like Gucci. You know chari- I mean? It's not exactly equal charisma when you're talking about. <laughs> right, right. So, like, some people can pull, like, yes, that match type can work when it's like two of the most charismatic best wrestlers of all time. 
And Yuji Hino and Higuchi could good are a little wrestlers, but uh, yeah, so I, I think I'll be skipping that one then. 26 minutes, 27 seconds, I think I'm good. So Of chops. Yeah, so... Did Hino I mean, give I him mean, a middle finger at some point, though? I I don't remember. I'm sure he did. Okay. Um, Maybe I'm back in then. Uh, the official count was 220 chops. What? So... <laughs> I think I'm. Um, I think I'm all right then. Yeah, you know, um, El Hio del Dr. Wagner Jr., Marafuji, and Ninja Mac. Ninja Mac getting on the KG Muto retirement. <laughs> they show. love Ninja Mac there, and I get it. He comes in there, does his little flippy do's, and the crowd goes, "Yeah." So, yeah, did you see the way Shun Skywalker was just bullying the fuck out of Ninja Mac? I thought that was because <laughs> he was probably like, "What um, the fuck is this dude?" <laughs> like, you know. So the Zebrats, Diamante, Kai, and you know, I I thought it was interesting seeing Diamante and El Hio del Dr. Wagner Jr. in the same match because they kind of occupy similar roles. In they do. Company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think both of them have come a long way. Um, you know, there's a people who are way higher on Diamante than I am, but I think he's a, a great wrestler. I really do. And El Hio del Dr. Wagner Jr. has really come into his own. And I, I, I thought think he's that, pretty um, damn good these days. He had a... Uh, I know I talked about the match either last week or a couple of weeks ago, but did you watch his main event from Cork and the national title match he had against? Um, it was, uh, again, I got to look at my notes. Here. Oh, I did. You know, um, I, I, I'm, I'm blanking on the name. Yes, I did watch that one. It was, uh, <laughs> little Dave Meltzer thing here. Uh, Soya, right? Manabu Soya. Soya. Yes, I Soya? did watch that, yeah. and it did rock. Yes, because I love you. Know me. You you thought I was going to pass up a, a Manabu Soya singles, you know, main event? No, in Cork and Hall, hell no. That match rocked. Yeah, now I didn't see a lot of people talking about that match, but I really, really enjoyed it. What was the date on that? That was. Let me find here. February fifth. February fifth, twenty twenty three. February fifth. Why the fuck can't I find it? Yeah, I was probably what? four. I think I was four and a quarter on that. I'd have to go back and look at my. Uh, but I think I was four and a quarter. I I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's what I had. I had four and a quarter, but um, I I enjoyed that for the for the undercard tags, you know, for the undercard tags that weren't Congo versus Miyahara, Suwama, and Aoyagi. I thought this was the best one. Um, so yeah, I I I, I enjoyed that one. I let Shun Skywalker too. I thought really came across very charismatic in front of easily the biggest crowd he's ever worked in front of. So. Um, Ninja Mac, he's coming a long way from the uh, Houston Premier Arena. Uh, <laughs> he has, shed. he really has. We um, all joked about him, but he's he's it. It really does going to like a major company and wrestling with like other talented wrestlers is just the best way to get better at wrestling. He, you know, it, it seems so basic and so obvious, and a lot of people don't get it, and a lot of people don't understand it, and think it's just pure reps. And oh, if you just wrestle two hundred times, yeah, but if you're wrestling the same bad people two hundred times, like it's not. You need to go to like. Work with veterans, work in a different place, work in front of different crowds, work in front of a different company. And you're seeing that with Ninja Mac, man. Like, uh, uh, contrast what he was a, a fucking year ago to where he is now. I mean, he is so much better now, so much more refined. Well, maybe it's just he feels like on these indie shows, it's it, it, he has to get, get all his shit in in order to get over, to get booked in other places. Right. Whereas when he's in a place like Noah, he knows, all right, I'm here. I'm in the major leagues. I'm on a major... I'm in wrestling in front of 30,000 people. I can sell. I can let things breathe. I don't have to get in every single one of my spots. So I think it might change your mindset as a worker too. Uh, You know, so all those things. Then I guess the only other match we didn't talk about was the Nosawa mess, which was (laughs) Nosawa and fucking Mazada, another guy I could live without (laughs) forever. Um, 
and Gato and Ishimori, which was more of an angle than a match. And, and Ishimori, quote unquote, retires Nosawa. And they tried to make this big emotional thing out of <laughs> Go, this. Yeah, who cares? Here's, who honestly on this earth, on this fucking planet, is, is, is holding back tears with no sour run guy, quote unquote, retire? Who cares? Who could possibly care? Yeah, I, you know, I mean, he got a polite applause on his way out. This is and, like when, you know, like athletes will do that too. It's like some, you know, at best, like fifth in the rotation starter who's been like, kind of retired for a couple of years because no one has signed him and he's like i am announcing my retirement <laughs> it's like all right yeah i mean it, it'd be one thing if he spent his whole career in one place and this was you know but it's like the guy's been bouncing around and right. um you know look he's very look he's very well liked by a lot of people he really is he's got his enemies too but He's very well liked by a lot of people, and he did get his little polite applause. I just don't buy for a second that he's hell no. tied. And nobody I don't, does. I don't. <laughs> nobody does either. And and the other thing is, I don't care. Like he's no sour wrong guy. Who gives a fuck? Like I, you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? That, I just I can't believe but, that they're trying to make us care about you know, you know. But uh, he had a lot of words with Ishimori, and I don't know necessarily what the connection is there, but Ishimori is the one who pinned him. And then, you know, they were down on the mat. They were doing a lot of brother-brother speak down there, and I'd love to know what that conversation was. Um, but anyway, I guess Taiji Ishimori can remember this great moment forever that he got to send Nosawa out on his back. <laughs> he got to send the know. legendary Nosawa run guy. While, while Mazada and Gato just kind of looked on in confusion, yeah. like, why are we here? Yeah, did you, um, did you need us? Are you guys good? Or like, <laughs> well, we had to get the Booker Man match on there with the two Booker right, Men. Right, you know, right. to, you know, it's like to get, remember how Gato and Delirious would always wrestle each other. Of course, on the, of uh, course, yeah. On the the honor, whatever those were called, honor um, no more. Yeah, they, I forget what they were called. Yeah, ROH when ROH would come to Cork and you know um, to do their little mini Fantastic Mania deal. Um, you know, they'd always do a wink, wink. You know, here's Gato versus Delirious, or when he would come here for War of the Worlds. You know, when Gato would come, he'd always wrestle delirious, like in Chicago or something. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, that was the Dome show. Look, I thought it was a good show. A fun um, show. Yeah. I, like, I, honestly, in terms of the aesthetics of a show, uh, Wrestle Universe looks fucking great. It looks phenomenal on a computer. It looks phenomenal on a TV. Uh, it sounds good. It looks good. Uh, the, the video boards are great. The entrances are great. The entrance ramp is great. Like they know how to make it look great. I, I wish more wrestling <laughs> would look good. Like I at a baseline, like look good and sound good. Uh, it, it is a tough thing to ask for some reason in 2023, but these shows are, are aesthetically great and the wrestling. Yeah. But all in all damn good wrestling up and down the card. Uh, even more so if you care about this Mudo thing, you're going to really, really like the show. But even if you don't, um, I think it was still a, a pretty awesome show. We are told that uh, Nosawa is uh, Ishimori Senpai. So mm, there we okay. go. That's well, the, the connection. Awesome. So good good for them. Sharing a moment in the uh, in the dome. I'm sure it meant a lot to both of them. It meant nothing to me. Um, <laughs> the, so, I, I always remember this is the one my friends and I will always like send like these back and forth. Like when we find like a when this like wrestler retires when like, you know, or like a, 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 a baseball or basketball player retires. One I always remember is like Giovanni Gallardo retiring, and it's like I have put like nine years yeah. into this league. It's like, all right, see you later. It's like you don't have to tell us, buddy. Just go away. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to do like a, you know, they and they all they have like the same Instagram post now. It's like you know a glove on a bench or whatever, and he's like, I'm hanging up the glove. Or it's like, all right, cool, dude. Like, yeah, they. I. I mean, we're. <laughs> 
we're being some total assholes on this show today. We're like, it's Hasawa. Come on, I'm not. Also, he's not retiring. I will. Yeah, I will bet yeah. the house that my man will find yeah. a way to get into a wrestling ring at some point. You, I, maybe, maybe, maybe on Muto. I'm not ready to bet the house on Muto just yet. I will bet the house that no sour run guy is coming back at some point. So good show, really good show. Nine point seven, good on cage match. Absolutely not. That's absurd. Um, Nine point seven. It has come down some. It is now nine point six. Um, yeah. The main of ev- the main event was well over nine at one point. That's down to eight point seven two. Um, look again. Whenever you have something like this, a big retirement show or something, people are going to naturally overrate it. I mean, this is not nine point seven or even nine point six would put this show in like among the greatest wrestling shows in the history of the world that have ever happened. And there's no way that this was one of the greatest wrestling shows in the history of the world that that has ever happened. I mean, that's completely and patently absurd. Uh, There was way too much filler on this show for that to be the case. There wasn't enough great matches. And that's even if you were super high on the main event. So, um, but that's all right. You understand why people give it a rating like that. And I do think over time it'll, it'll normalize and come down probably settle somewhere around 9.2 or 9.3 if you even care about that sort of thing but um i mean i rated it on cage match i give it a seven i think it's a fair that's fair i think it's a seven out of ten show um 9.7 i know you're out of your fucking mind this is not one of the greatest shows of all time no certainly not come show of the year time i won't even think about it for like best show of 2023 i won't even think about this show like you know in all likelihood so um anyway that was the uh Muto retirement. We really need to move on. We got a lot to get to. We got a lot to get to. Yeah, that was a long time on uh, one KG Muto. So uh, let's talk about WWE's Elimination Chamber, Joe. This was uh, on Saturday. Uh, Michael Cole told me it was the last premium uh, live event stop on the road to WrestleMania. Um, I know you knew you took note of that as well. That This was the last premium live event stop on the road to WrestleMania. uh, And it was. Uh, but the main event is what uh, we're really going to talk about here and literally really focus on. And it was uh, the WWE title, universal title unification, uh, you know, the, the undisputed, I should say, not unification, undisputed uh, uh, title. Uh, Roman Reigns defeating Sami Zayn 32 minutes and 19 seconds of what I thought was a pretty good match. It had a lot of the a little too much of the Roman Reigns stop midway through the match and tell everybody what the story is thing, which people call storytelling. I think I'd rather guys just tell a story in the ring, which I think you guys had been doing for, you know, 80 years and could probably just continue to just do that as opposed to stopping and going is we could have been a family sammy i did this for us i did this so we could be a family like i don't need that like you know what i mean like i, I saw the promo package i understood it, all the you just wrestle just just wrestle the match man i don't need you to stop and scream what the story is just just wrestle so you take you know the art you, you rich the art of pro wrestling used to be telling the story physically right i know i'm watching i'm watching a lot of these bret hart matches for uh, uh the canadian heart month that we're doing here at flagship patreon.com great stuff by the way five dollar tier ten dollar tier you can listen to those um and it's bret hart telling very very good stories but he's doing them in the ring physically by 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 wrestling and the way he wrestles uh and and you know in matches where he'll turn heel halfway through the match or he'll turn heel at the end of the match or or he's being a little bit of dickish to a guy or whatever or he's being you know the underdog like you're watching all this happen as 
the match is going on, whereas Roman Reigns stops and says, oh, you you turn on me? Oh, well, now this is what you're going to get. <laughs> this is yeah. what you're going to yeah. get because you turned yeah. on me. And it's like, oh, my God, I get it. We heard yeah. you. Like, what? this isn't storytelling. It's not storytelling if you stop well, and say, this is the story. That's not storytelling. <laughs> can, I, can I get us in trouble? Great. Please. Wouldn't be the first time. I mean, it's storytelling for stupid people. I mean, that's what it is. It's storytelling for the dumbest among us who need it hammered over their head. What the fuck is happening? Right. You just got a 20 minute promo package before the match. So you should probably know what the story is. But no, then Roman goes in there and says, oh, I trusted you. I made you part of this family. I made you part of the bloodline. It's like, all right, we know. It's just, oh, and people yeah, like it, this. It I love it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's not for us. It it actively hurts the matches for me when they do it. They do it in NXT all the time. I can't fucking stand NXT. <laughs> it was um, never about us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you it's are just, never my friend. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's um, trash. And then it contributes to the culture war that we're currently in. Yeah, with AEW and WWE, where you know it, it contributes to this storytelling culture war where one company allegedly tells stories and the other company allegedly does not because I guess we don't stop in the middle of the match and break into a community theater routine. But yeah, that aside, and of course the cowardly finish aside, I did think that, you know, look, the great reaction Sammy, Sammy Zayn got and they milked it for all it was worth as they should have. And then I thought they worked the correct pace for the match and the story they were telling. I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. You take out like, there was like five minutes of Roman community theater stuff. You take that out. I thought this was a great match. Put that and in the though. shitty finish. I thought the finish sucked. Too. The finish absolutely but, sucks. We'll get, we'll get to that in a minute, but yeah, you, yeah. you <laughs> I feel weird taking out. I take this five minutes out and this five minutes out, but that is really good. But that's kind of where I'm at. Like if you take those, oh. there's like five minutes on, on the, on the middle and in the end that I would kind of lap off there that otherwise I thought it was like you said, really, 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 really good. But I have to qualify that by saying that because of the community theater thing, that took it down a little bit for me. And then the finish, which, of course, we're going to talk about here, yeah. really took it down for me. Where at, When it was done, I felt nothing. And I was just like, oh, all right, I moved on. You know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't care whatsoever. And it was like, this had the chance to be a very special. This had a chance, Joe, dare I say, to be a moment. And this is a, a moment creation company. They don't, they don't wrestle matches. They create moments, right? Yeah, and they, they, they didn't want to create it one. Up. <laughs> they didn't create a fucking they, moment. Well, this is what we're talking about. This is why you got to, as they say on the streets, Rich, miss me with this greatest story ever told in wrestling (laughs) stuff if you don't stick the landing. And they did not stick the landing with Sami Zayn. And I'm sorry, but but that's a big problem in terms of if you're going to call this one of the greatest wrestling stories ever told or the greatest, as a lot of people are saying. Um, they blew the finish here and they didn't stick the landing and you're going to get tag team titles as a consolation prize. And people will probably enjoy that, but they really had a chance. I mean, if Sami Zayn pins this guy, the roof blows the fuck off of this building and you have one of the great moments in the history of wrestling. You do. This would have been one of the great moments. This, it was one of the greatest crowds in, 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 in wrestling history. One of the greatest crowds in, in WWE history, no doubt. Um, very similar to, you know, Money in the Bank with, with Chicago, which, you know, I was there live, obviously, and, and remembered, and hell, that's why this fucking site exists and this podcast exists, so uh, it inspired me to do this shit that we're still doing 12 years later, you know what I mean? Like, so, they had a chance to do that, because it was, I mean, this was a raucous crowd, and they were nuts for everything, and it, 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 
you haven't I haven't felt this way watching a WWE match in a long, long, long time. Thinking, okay, you know what? For all the shit that I give this, this is this is working, man. They they nailed it. They got it. We're here. They got the perfect crowd, the perfect guy, the perfect match, the perfect foil. They got it all, and they fucked it up because they're cowards. They did fuck. They did fuck it up. And there's really, you know, and the counter to that will be well, Cody is also hot, and you have Cody and Roman set up for WrestleMania, which is also a good story and and a hot thing. And and because Cody's hot, and and I agree, but. Sammy winning here wouldn't necessarily preclude you from going through with Roman and Cody because he could have lost the title back to Roman this Friday. He could have lost the title back to Roman two Fridays from now. He could have lost the title back to Roman uh, two days later on Monday. I mean, you could have given everyone what they wanted here, which was the big Sammy Zayn win. And quite frankly, he's earned it. He's the, he's the hottest star in the company. And you could have still had your cake and eaten it too, because then, you could have done the same finish that you did in this match on fucking SmackDown in a rematch and put the title back on Roman and pop the rating in the process. Because, you know, if you do a Roman Sami Zayn rematch a week later or two weeks later, you maybe you want to build it for a week. Two weeks later on SmackDown and have Roman win the title back in the same manner that he won this match, you're probably going to pop a rating too. Oh, you're going to pop a huge number for that show. Yeah, Are you and kidding? Then, and, not and probably, then you're right not back. probably. They would absolutely do. Sammy is ma- Sammy is a tangible ratings draw. A ta- yes, unlike the needle mover, he is a tangible. You see the quarters, you see the shows he's on, you see the hour breakdowns, you see it. He is a tangible ratings draw. So no, it's not even a probably. They would have absolutely, if they said in two weeks you're going to get Sammy Zayn and, and Roman Reigns rematch, pop a huge number on SmackDown. And then you take the title off him because – I kind of agree with the idea that's that this version of Sami Zayn is not a long-term world title holder. That's not what he is. You know what he is? He's Kofi Kingston, but even more over. This is Kofi mania, but with a guy who's a legitimate business mover. Whereas Kofi was super over in the buildings and they did the right thing with Kofi and they did give him the win over uh, Daniel Bryan. The mistake they made with Kofi is letting him hold the title too long. You could have done the Kofi story, but done it right and done it with someone who was more over than Kofi. You could have Sammy win here, create this a monumental moment in wrestling history, right? And then because really that's the essence of this. It was all in the chase for Sammy. Once he's champion, he's bound to lose steam. Of course. So you can beat him. So you can beat him in two weeks and then go right back to Roman Cody. And in the interim, in those two weeks, you could have Cody saying, because remember, Cody endorsed Sammy and said, go win the title. So then you could have had Cody say, all right, it's going to be you and me, Sammy. But then Sammy loses the Roman, and then you just still have Roman and Cody. I mean, well, they had it all set up. And, and they, they've done they, this before, too. They did it with Sami Zayn in NXT. When Sami Zayn won that match in NXT and beat Neville and won the NXT title, that's one of my favorite NXT matches ever. And I've, I've raved about that match for years and years and years and years uh, on this show and, and elsewhere. But he won that, and then immediately after, Kevin Owens attacked him, and then the next month or whatever, or a couple months later, he lost it at the next takeover or the next special or whatever, 
to Kevin Owens. And it was like, okay, but that, because it was all in the chase and he got that moment and he got that incredible moment and then they took it away from you immediately, which is okay. That's fine. That's kind of what the Sami Zayn thing is, but at least they gave you the fucking moment. You know what I mean? They gave you that thing. You know, people in the chat room are talking about Mick Foley winning the title, Mankind winning the title uh, against The Rock on on that episode of Raw in, in January. And yet he lost the title like two weeks later or whatever. It didn't, it didn't matter because that's an iconic moment in wrestling history is because he won that. You got to stick that landing. You got to make that moment and when you have that moment and it's a guy who's a tangible ratings draw and it's a guy who's a tan you just got to do it you just can't you can't care about the number of days on a guy's title reign because now you now you're you what you have done now is you've set yourself up to now you can justify this dude fucking never losing you know what i mean because now it's like well is this the right time to do it like are you gonna are they gonna get to the cody thing and go out do we are we really sure this is what we're gonna do with roman are we really sure and I think it also comes from a place, too, of they don't know what to do with Roman when he's done with this thing. They don't know how to book Roman after this. They don't know what to do with this title afterwards, because at some point he's not going to be the champion. And then what? Because they've been able to kind of coast on the story of here's the champion. He's been the champion for inserts, you know, three digit amounts of days or whatever. They've been able to do that for a couple of years now. And he comes out and he puts his finger in the air and they go, oh, the most dominant champion. At some point, that's not going to be the story anymore. And I don't know that they have a good story to tell afterwards. So the, the thing about the days and, and you know, um, Michael Cole tries to push how historical it is every time he's doing his um, ring entrance and all that. But the, the, the thing about that is it, 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 how is it historical? It's not the longest. It's not even it's like not even close to the longest. No, he's, he's got to go a catching, lot of ways. He's got to have to go listen, a long way to get to Bruno. He's not catching either Bruno. He didn't catch the first Bruno. He's never catching Bruno's 2800 day reign. And he's not he's never catching Bruno's combined four over 4000 day reign. Okay? He's at this point um he hasn't even caught Pedro who's at over 1000 days and he hasn't caught uh Backlund who was at 1400 days and he hasn't caught Hogan who was over 1400 days. So even if he had lost it wasn't really there was nothing historical about this reign. What's historical about the sixth longest title reign in WWE? Like that, they're they're overplaying that as well. Like there is no history being lost by doing the right thing and putting the title on Sami Zayn for a couple of weeks and then winning it back. You're not even blowing anything. It's not like he's knocking on Bruno's door. We're not even there yet. Well, and, and the other thing, too, and I saw a lot of people in our Discord talk about this, and it's it's perfect, is, is this company manipulates language and manipulates facts and manipulates data all the time. It's not that hard for Michael Cole to say, Roman Reigns has been a, com- a champion for a combined 1,200 days over the last you know four years or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, There's ways to just qualify it that way. Yeah, maybe his 900-day reign gets interrupted here for a week or two, and then he picks it back up, and he, he holds it for another three months or so after that if you really wanted to or whatever. Like, You can still qualify it that way. You can still say, well, he's been champion for 1,000 combined days over his last two reigns or whatever. They could do that. They manipulate language all the fucking time <laughs> constantly. So this idea that it's like, well, then what? No, but then he's not the champion for X amount of days. Who fucking cares? Jesus Christ. I don't, what are we I doing think, here? And I don't even think it hurts the Cody match at all. No. Done a quickie title switch here. Um, you know, look, and, and and like you had alluded to, and I don't know who needs to hear this. Probably a lot of people. Maybe not a lot of people that listen to this show because they follow the ratings a little closer than, you know, your random fan. But Sammy and Cody are the hot ones here. When you look at the SmackDown and Raw quarter-hour ratings, 
It's always a Sammy segment. It's always a segment. And it's never a Roman segment. It, you know, it's Cody with Paul Heyman. It's Sammy with Cody. It's Sammy with Paul Heyman. It's like Roman segments are in line with the rest of the show. The hot acts right now are Sammy number one, Cody number two. They're both hot. Sammy's red hot. And the thing about it is you don't know if Sammy will ever be this hot again. And even if he is, he was super, he was red hot and the hottest star in the company. Hotter than Roman. No matter what Michael Cole tells you, the reality is Sammy Zayn was hotter than Roman and, and probably still is. Okay. Time will tell if the loss has cooled them off to some degree. Not only did you have the hottest star in the company, but it was perfectly intersecting with the mat with the match being in Montreal. How do you not pull the trigger? <laughs> it's it's mind blowing that you don't pull the trigger and you would have done that. Raw did a good number, would have done an even bigger number had Sammy gone into that Raw with the title. All their TV this week would have. And then you could have spent this time building back to a, a television rematch that would have done a monster number leading into WrestleMania, where all the tickets are sold already, by the way. And and by the way, none of this is a slight on Cody because Cody is just a he's arguably just as hot as Sammy. I'd say a little less. Now you run the risk of people turning on Cody. Now I'm not saying that's gonna happen, but now there's a danger in that. Now there's a possibility that uh, that fans might reject Cody because they're mad about Sammy not winning. And, you know, how many times have we seen this company go down this road and, and to what? Protect some weird, arbitrary, historical reign, which, as we pointed out, isn't historical to begin with. You know, he's not even knocking on the door of being the longest reign, and he's not going to get there. Um, you know, Bruno's, Bruno is over 4,000 days combined and 2,800 days on his long one. He's not going to get there. He's not in the 4,000 days. So, man, they just did not, they didn't, they they did not stick the landing. They dropped the ball badly here. Now, look, is it going to hurt them? Nothing can hurt them. We talked about it last week. They're playing poker with fake money. They're playing poker for pretzel sticks. It really doesn't matter what they do. The money's guaranteed, which affords them the ability to tell the stories how they want to tell them. But, you know, in a traditional wrestling booking sense, the obvious move was Sammy winning that match and then taking the title off him a couple weeks later. I'm not advocating sending him to WrestleMania with the belt. I'm not advocating turning it into a three-way. None of that. I would still do Sam, uh, Roman versus Cody because I still think that's a strong match. And as far as this being a historical reign from any other standpoint, it's not. I mean, in 20 years, decades from now, when people talk about this Roman Reigns title run that he's on right now, they're not going to talk about the matches. They're not going to talk about the length of the run. They're not going to talk about historical moments. They're going to talk about the bloodline. They're going to talk about talking segments on SmackDown. They're going to talk about the storyline of the bloodline and, uh, and, and, and things of that nature. That's what they're going to talk about. Because when you look at his 28 title matches or whatever it is, there aren't a lot of classic matches. There really isn't. There really we, we we did that segment a couple weeks ago, and it's really it's pretty bare. It's it's pretty dire. I mean, yeah. there's a couple. I mean, and there's not a lot of classic moments. You've got Brock Lesnar with the tractor. 
You've got the Logan Paul match, I guess, in Saudi Arabia. Well, it's also gone on for so long that you forget some of these matches. Like somebody brought up like the Edge and Daniel Bryan thing where he stacked them up, and I'm like, holy shit, that's the same reign. You're right. It's like I forget. Yeah, it's been so and long, not, and it's not that great of a match either. But still, it's like that's holy. not any kind of great historical match anyway. <clears throat> I mean, that's there's a nice match, I guess. Um, but this is not a reign that's going to be remembered for its matches and its moments. It's going to be remembered for the Bloodline storyline. You know, I don't know if you saw the Jack Farmer tweet. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> Go on. So Jack Farmer. Jumping Jack. Put out, yeah. Jack Farmer put out a tweet. Do you know who Jack Farmer is? He's like a media person. He's done yeah, some wrestling yeah. stuff. So he put out a tweet saying, I ch- and I'm paraphrasing. And you can pull it up while I'm talking, I guess. He said the word challenge was in there. So that's an easy okay, way to okay. He said, I challenge anyone to come up with a more historical title oh. reign than this Roman Reigns reign. <laughs> He is defended against nothing but Hall of Famers and and this and that. Um, if you got it, read it verbatim. If, if All you right, don't let, mind. let me see if I can find it here. So anyway, what was funny okay. was uh, it's February nineteenth. Uh, I yeah. challenge you to find any single world title reign with a list of defenses that is this stacked. Current Hall of Famers, future All of Famers. I believe he means Hall of Famers. Hall there, of, oh yeah, yeah, a few that may be the goat. The former world champions and crossover stars, ridiculous how dominant at WWE Roman Reigns, adding to Roman Reigns is so dorky yeah. too, has been. All right, now stop right there. So he's talking about how historical the reign is because of all the great Hall of Famers that he's faced and how nobody has ever faced this level of star in a title reign. Matt Farmer, no relation, was the first person to reply. Oh, yes. The, yes. Hold on. Hold My on. man. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Immediately laughed at it and and just used Bruno as an example and immediately ran off 15 Hall of Famers that Bruno faced just in MSG alone. <laughs> just in MSG alone, 15 slam dunk certifiable Hall of Famers that Bruno faced in one building. Go ahead and read the Matt, the Matt Farmer tweet. I, I can't find it. I'm looking. I, I, Twitter's such a fucking disaster yeah. these days. I can't seem to find it here. Let's see if I can find it. So if if I pull up at Jack okay, so this Farmer, is really okay, so this is really Koloff, Graham, Patera, Brody, Hanson, Lad, Valentine, Tolis, Blassi, Kowalski, Don Leo, Sheik, Monsoon, Miller, Ayakare, all Hall of Famers. There's some on the fence too. Plus, those are only matches from one building. Yeah, and and you know he had said previous to that, you know the Roman Romans list of challengers can't match any of the old school no. world champions in terms of uh, great opponents that they faced, and it's like. If you look at the Jack Farmer tweet, he got shit on. He got ratioed. There really aren't a lot of people who consider this a legendary title reign. They really, and, and that even includes a lot of people who are strictly WWE. Like there, there's no doubt a lot of WWE hardcores who only watch that company, who are, you know, under 50 or whatever, where you ever you want to draw the line, who do think that this is some great title reign because Michael Cole constantly tells you it is. I'm not saying that doesn't exist. What I'm also saying is there's a lot of people who are really enjoying the bloodline and really think that Roman Reigns is doing a great job who are like, "Ah, no, this isn't really a great 
title reign from that standpoint even right though right i'm, I'm looking at great. the replies and you think all the replies and yes there are a lot of replies that are like okada in 2016 or kobashi you know ghc or whatever obvious ones obvious, obvious ones. ones but there's also yeah. people being like i don't know cena 07 or whatever you know what i mean there's yeah. like fed fans that are like i don't know like uh you know john cena this year is pretty damn good like a lot of them again are like you know okada and and, and kobashi and those sort of things and and obviously bruno uh and whatnot but yeah you're right there are a, a few fed fans that are like well what about this one you know from so yeah it, it is weird i have seen kind of the worm turn on that a little bit where i think a lot of people are like ah, the story's good but let's 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 back it down a little let, let's 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 reel this in a little bit and, and that's that's a lot of people that that you know i have seen that really love the the story being told the bloodline and love the ups and downs and that sort of stuff and we kind of roll our eyes at that or whatever but a lot of those people i still ha- will not fall over themselves to call this like an all-time great rant i think a lot of them realize that it's like it's fine. It, it, it it's perfectly okay. But the matches are just not. You know, he's found a style that works for him, and it, it works for you know reaction that he gets or whatever. But they're not. You know, they're not really great matches. Like the Sami Zayn match is going to be one of the best matches of that entire reign. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have. <clears throat> he's got twenty eight total title matches so far. Maybe five or six of them are what you would call great matches. Maybe like are very good matches. There's no match. There's not a single match in your contender. We could agree on that because none of them have won match of the year. None of them <laughs> have challenged. Close. They haven't even come close, even, even by their own awards. Right. Like none of them have challenged for match of the year. None of them have won a match of the year. None of them have come close. But there's probably a half a dozen that you would call very good matches. It, you know, I, the Cesaro match comes to mind. This Sami Zayn match. I like that riddle, the riddle match a lot. The riddle TV match was pretty good. Um, you know, maybe. The Roman, you know, the Daniel Bryan matches were kind of a letdown. I didn't like that. I really didn't they like them. Great. Honestly, in real time, we felt um, like the only people that were like, eh, I don't know, they're fine. And there's uh, the Logan Paul match. I thought was a great match. Um, oh yeah, yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. That was great. And then there's a bunch of junk like the 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 community theater Jay Uso matches, which weren't any good. Finn Balor, the Demon, uh, where his oh. fucking heart starts to oh. beat, and. Uh, you know, the Cena match was, I mean, I was all right. Um, oh, speaking know, of, the, did you see that they added John Cena to a show and it immediately sold like 2000 tickets? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Just point, just, just for no reason whatsoever. I'm going to point that out, Joe, not in any way related to what we're talking about, but yeah, they announced Cena for a show. I forget where, and it sold like 2000 tickets. Immediately, yeah. So. And I mean, I'm going to tie that into a larger point <laughs> for, oh, you have a point. Cause I was just bringing it up for no reason whatsoever, but you have a point to wrap in. Oh, okay. Interesting. The Kevin Owen match at Royal Rumble was a nothing match. The Kevin Owens last man standing where they couldn't find the keys to the handcuffs was an absolute <laughs> disaster. You know, it's like, this is not. So, so here's the thing. They're so worried about the legacy of this great title reign that, and here's the, and here's another big point. He's a heel who always cheats to win. He's won like four of these matches clean. So they're, they're going through these great pains to protect this alleged historical title run when it's not. You want to call it a legendary storyline or a great storyline. Okay. That's what this is. This isn't a historical title reign from a numeric standpoint. As we've pointed out, there's many title reigns in this company that have been longer than this one. And he's not catching some of them. It's not a historical title reign from the standpoint of great matches by any means. It's not a historical title reign in kayfabe. In kayfabe, he's a cheater. In kayfabe, he's an insecure his whole story. Here's the other thing. So many people are whiffing on what his on what the story. Right. They, they think, think he's this- a dominant champion that beats everybody and is so much better than everybody yeah. else. And he always needs his cronies to help him he win every single match. 
People think this is such a great story, and half these people don't even understand the fucking story. <laughs> the story. Roman needs to get in his next match. Say, I don't win any match clean. My brothers have to help me. Ooses help me. <laughs> then here, they'll understand it, maybe, maybe. But right now they do not, unfortunately. So Here again for whoever needs to hear this. The whole point of the bloodline in Roman Reigns is that Roman never met his expectations, is woefully insecure about it, surrounds himself with cronies who he manipulates to do his bidding to keep him on top because he's not good enough to stay on top. That's the story. And half these people think the story is he's a dominant force on top uh, who nobody can beat. The story is he's an insecure guy who manipulates everyone around him to help keep him on top, which is why he never wins clean. That's the story. And half these people who think this story, if this story was any good, maybe you people would understand it. You don't even understand the story. It's all, it goes over everybody's head. How great can it be? Maybe they need to talk more during these matches. Rich, maybe they're not talking enough. I was say, the next match he needs to just stop and say, all right, so here's where it all started. <laughs> so how did I get here? All right, let's, let's sit down. Yeah, that we might need that. Yeah, it, it's it's... It's pretty wild. And I, I think another aspect of this whole thing, too, is that you, you, you're right that they're protecting Roman Reigns' reign and they're protecting the, the, this arbitrary number and stuff. And they're kind of, you know, they're kind of too caught up in this. But I also think, and I know it's, it's hard for people to believe because Paul's booking now and he's good. And Vince was bad, Joe. Remember that? How Vince was bad, but Paul is good. They don't think Sammy's a guy. And they didn't like, they, they're not that super happy that he got to the point where he got to. They didn't really plan for him to get where he got to. They weren't really ready for him to get where he got to. So what they did is they didn't, be, they didn't have him win. And they want you to forget how good he got and forget that this happened and, and, and push it off to the side. I know that good is Paul and bad is Vince, but like this is kind of not good booking. You know, this is bad. This is bad, dumb booking where this isn't the guy that we wanted and this isn't a guy that looks like the guy that we want a champion. So he's not the fucking champion. You know, it, it, yes, I think it's partly Roman Reigns and they don't want to ruin the reign and they, yada, yada, yada. Just think Sammy wasn't their guy. They didn't want Sammy to get over. He got over and they this is the way that they figured out how to get out of it with hopefully you not being that mad about it. Well, the, you know, everyone's given Paul Levesque credit for this. This story has predominantly taken place under Vince. It started under Vince. And yeah. oh, I know. And then and then the Sammy thing was a fucking accident. The Sammy thing was a three-week storyline, and Sammy got hot, and they couldn't move away from it. And and so there's no stroke of genius there either. All, if you want to give Levesque credit for sticking with Sammy when it was obvious it was hot, okay. But that wasn't the intent. And then they didn't have the balls to follow through with it. They right. did not stick the landing. And all to protect this alleged historical title reign, which they have convinced some people. I, okay, I'm not going to say, and that's a wrestling promoter's job to convince you of things. I understand that. As we've demonstrated, it's not historical from a number standpoint. It's not historical from a match quality standpoint. It's not historical from a uh, big moments standpoint. It's not historical from a kayfabe standpoint because he's a cowardly heel who uh, cheats to retain it. He's not, a, he's not truly a dominant champion. He's a guy who tells you he's a dominant champion because that's the heat because he's not a dominant champion. He's a cheater. So, and they're protecting this thing that isn't a story. That seems to be more important to them. And, you know, maybe Cody will be the one to beat him, but Cody could have been the one to, to, to Cody could have won the title anyway. 
And you could have you could have served all masters here. Well, what's weird too is like the retconning. I've seen some some, some people saying, "Well, the ah, the the story is Cody beating Roman." No, it's not. What are you talking about? Cody that is, became the story in the last month, right? Because Cody's there and he's hot and he won the Royal Rumble. The story is not Cody beating Roman. The story was the Rock and they couldn't get him. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. So it's like, I like I hear that. It's like, oh no, you. you if Cody's going to get that moment, no matter what, you know what I mean? Whether, whether Roman won the title, then lost the title, then wanted to get like, it does not matter. He, the Cody moment is that Cody holds the title up in WrestleMania while a bunch of fireworks go off behind him. Right? Like that's the story. That's the moment. That's the thing or whatever. It's not the story. It has never been the story. So this idea that like, Oh, well no, that truly the story is Cody. Where, how, why? Because right now they're trying to tell that Cody story and they're not doing a very good job of it. To be honest, like Cody, Cody was putting over Cody was feuding with Darby Allen when this story started. (laughs) How is, how is he the story? Right. What are, what are we doing here? Right. And like Cody, they're, they're, Cody they're... was putting over MJF when this story began. <laughs> right. He was. Come on. Uh, it's just, yeah. And it's like, it's not like the story has got, he's been, guy's been gone. For, he's been out for a year. So, um, yeah, it, it's. Now, it, Co- now, listen, Cody's story is winning the title. Yeah. Th- I and mean, that's what I'm saying. Roman's story has nothing to do. Cody's story Cody. is one, two, three, ding, 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 holding the title up while a bunch of fireworks are behind him. It doesn't fucking matter who else is in the ring with him. That's the Cody story. The Cody story is Cody Rhodes, the son of Dusty Rhodes, the guy that was running AEW who's now in WWE has just won the title in the main event of WrestleMania. Here's all these fireworks. You know what I mean? That's the story. Like that, <laughs> the Romans, it's not the story. So the idea that like, ah, oh, you can't have Sammy derail the story. What story? Because <laughs> right now they're they're the story that they're telling right now is that Paul Heyman wants to fuck Brandy Rhodes. Like that that's what they're doing right because they're trying to figure out what the fuck. There is no story. Well, the the the, 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 the bloodline story was fucking Sammy. <laughs> that was the story. Yes, I know it was the Rock. Oh, the Rock's not going to come. You know what? It'll be Sammy. No, it's not Sammy either. Okay, we don't know what the story is. Fine. You, they, they, they didn't have. They didn't get the Rock, but they were gift wrapped Sammy. Yes. and they still didn't nail they it. They fucked it up. Yep. They still blew it to protect what a this fake idea of a historical reign, which isn't historical in any way. It's amazing how badly they botched this. But well, it isn't and, going and you can this. tell. I mean, you could tell. The, the thing with this too is that say Sammy does win. You now tell the story, and it's a good. You could do a lot of stuff with the story if Sammy wins this thing, and and let's say he doesn't have to have a super long reign or whatever, whatever that's going to be. But like now, you fracture the bloodline. You have Unuso, who's with Sammy and Kevin Owens, and they're on one side against Roman and Sokoa and the other Uso. So you have like trios matches that you can set up and stuff. Paul Heyman's in between this thing. Like there's a lot of ways you could go, but Sammy being the one to finally fracture the bloodline and make Unuso decide, you know what, fuck this shit. I don't need this. That guy's my real guy. I, I I ride with this guy. I don't ride with you guys anymore. And and, and Owen's coming back to Sammy. That's that's got some juice to it. What's the juice now? Fucking nothing, man. Roman is at best the the third hottest guy in the company. At best, <laughs> yeah. If Cena's around, I was gonna before. say if Cena comes back anytime soon. Whoa. I mean, you know, and the ratings don't listen. The ratings don't lie. How many weeks in a row we, we talk? We didn't talk about ratings this week, but we usually talk ratings at the top of the show. And these big quarter hours are always Sammy and Cody. Mm-hmm. Roman's not even on the show half the time. He's not even always on the show. And as Dave Meltzer pointed out, these SmackDown rating and Roman, they, they, Roman's presence never makes a difference, positive or negative. That was funny that Dave mentioned that this week, right? He's finally caught up to us. Yeah. I mean, we've been preaching that. It doesn't make a difference, positive or negative. 
You know, it, it, when Roman takes a week off, the ratings don't plummet. When Roman's around, the ratings don't spike. You know when the ratings spike? When Sammy or Cody have a segment. That's fact. People can look that up. Whatever outlet of choice. Pay WrestleNomics $5. Pay Dave $11.99 or whatever his thing costs. What does Dave cost? $12.99 maybe? Go, these are all facts. I've auto paid since this like up. 20, 2008. I have no earthly idea. What I, I don't it. know what it costs either. Yeah. I, <laughs> but the point is, you know, or, or listen to this show where we fucking take the information that they gather and, and share it with everybody with full credit, of course. But these are facts. I'm making it up. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I look, but again, we make fools of ourselves. I scream and yell into the microphone. And my blood pressure raises. Oh, for what reason? The money's guaranteed. It doesn't matter what they do. You know, WrestleMania is not going to bomb because they had a terrible finish in Montreal at Elimination Chamber. It's not going to matter. WrestleMania is going to do the same business it was going to do either way. And all of the money is guaranteed. The tickets are sold for WrestleMania. The, the media rights deals are all guaranteed. It does not fucking matter. It is, it's, it, you know, it's, it's so funny how Nick Khan was on with Bill Simmons and kept alluding to it's easy to run a business when you don't have to worry about making money, right? He said that alluding to AEW, right? With the implication being that Tony Khan is just running at a loss and there's right. no evidence of just that. says daddy with his hands in the, and then daddy it's, gives him a check and he goes, thank you. And then yeah, it's, 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 it's Nick Khan playing an angle. He calls him and, kid. And, he's, he's done a lot of that. He's called him kid yeah. and he, he, he listens condescending silver and like, spoon and stuff. And like, but the right. reality is the, the reality is that applies more to WWE. It's their decision making. That doesn't matter. It's their decision making that doesn't really make a difference in terms of how much money they make or not. You know, it, it, it's funny how he doesn't realize that. And maybe he does. No, he does. He does. He knows what he's doing. He's not going to say that, but it's really the reverse. <laughs> it, these decisions do not matter, you know, because it's all guaranteed. In another place in time, Sammy would have won that fucking match in an era of non-guaranteed money. Because it was clearly the correct decision. But anyway, at some point here, we were reviewing that match. Yeah, the finish sucked. It was oh, a the, television the, finish. The other thing, too, the finish. It was so, because I'm thinking, all right, here we go. We're going to get to swivel the hips, and the Uso is going to hit Sammy and say, I was always with you. But then Sammy's the one that hits him. Yeah. By accident, of course. But still, he's the one that hits him. And that's and listen, what leads to the finish, which is such I, a I, fucking limp dick finish. Fuck It's you. a terrible finish. I get it, but it's a TV finish. You know what I mean? It's a TV finish. It's not a pay-per-view finish. It wasn't the right finish for this crowd. Listen to the the noise that crowd makes. Go back and listen. If you, yeah. It's one, two, three, and it's not booze. It's not, oh, it's silent. It's uh. air out of a balloon. Yeah, it's. Uh. it's, uh, <laughs> it's like, this is really how they're going to do this. Uh. <laughs> and that's not you know, good, man. <laughs> that's not good. Like that's no, and then and then and then Sammy does the hell of a kick after the match and his music right. plays. But the passion's gone. No, I yeah. mean there's there's people cheering, but they're not losing their minds like they were. Did you hear his comments on the post show presser? He was he was deflated. He was fucking pissed, and he was not working. He no. was he was deflated. 
He look because he knows. He, like, this he is knows. it. He got to the mountaintop. He he did all that he could possibly do to get himself over. They always say grab the brass ring. You know, what I mean, prove that yeah. you're a star. This motherfucker did everything that he could possibly do over the last six months to get to that spot, to get to the top spot, to get to a main event match in his hometown for the title. And he's drawing business. He's drawing and he's ratings. Over, he's, and he's, he's over and he's over more than the guys. Right? Yes, and he knows it. He's not an idiot. He yeah. knows it. And he knows he showed up to the building to that day or whenever it was, and they said, "Sammy, this is the finish." And he, he knew knows. that's it. I'm never, I'm never going to get here again. This is as high as it's going to be for me. This is it. I have reached the mountaintop, yep. and it's done. I. No, this is just, the best it's ever going to be. I. This is a guy that I'm sure he thought he was washed up a couple years ago. We came on the show and said that he was washed years ago, and he fucking got here. He got here all the way here, and it was over. And he and he said it's like going to a George St. Pierre fight in Montreal and he loses. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Yeah, it's... uh, It would suck and we would all hate it. (laughs) he, He was deflated... And he knew deep down that this was there was never going to be another moment like this. He's one staring down his own mortality, realizing, well, that's it. Yeah. And well, and the last thing he said was, "Ah, wins, losses, they come and go. Yeah. I'll see you later, guys." He was deflated. Yeah, he's done. Because as a pro wrestler, he put in all this work. He got over when he wasn't supposed to. It was supposed to be a three week deal, and he, like you said, he did the thing that they tell you to do, and it, it, it that goes to show it's bullshit. It goes to show that it's bullshit. Oh, that's weird though, because it was because bu- because Vince was the and he was the bad one though, right? Vince is bad. Yeah, Vince and, and is the Paul bad is good, yeah. right? Triple H is a genius. Okay, yeah. so Vince bad, Paul good. Well, who's who's booking this one? Name name another story on his show that anyone gives a shit about for this alleged genius. The Paul, booker. you're talking about the good one, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Name right. name one. Name yeah, one. Yeah. Um, but but give me and, give me and, a couple and, minutes. I'll I'll work on it. And th- and this is one he didn't even start. <laughs> um, and and then didn't finish properly right. when he had a chance to finish it properly. Um, you know, Sammy's smart enough to understand that. And Sammy's one of the great performers of his generation. He was one of the greatest wrestlers of his generation before he stepped foot in the WWE. And he proved here that even with a beaten up body and, and, you know, he's still a great wrestler, but, um, limited ability compared to his, you know, he's his his, gotta be early forties by now, uh, or close to it, that he still understands how to get over. And he did get over and he's the, the hottest star in the company, and it did not matter. And that's why he was so deflated in that presser. Right. He did everything that they wa- they want you to do and tell you to and do and matter. scream about and grabbing brass rings and, and grabbing it by the balls and proving that you're a star. He did all of it, and they told you, him, go fuck yourself. You're done. You, sir, you, sir, will win 
your tag team titles fourth from the top on night two of WrestleMania, <laughs> and you will like it. Yep. And you will like it. That's what you on, get. On WrestleMania goes to Hollywood Sunday. You can uh, you can win your tag yeah. team titles, yes. Yeah, fourth from the top. That's what you get. That's what you earn by getting over as the hottest star in the company. That's it. You know, uh, it, 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 that goes to show. And I hope everyone there is watching. Everyone in NXT, everybody else trying to climb the card, you know, unless you're Austin Theory, I hope you're paying attention because it doesn't matter because the money's guaranteed and it affords them the ability to, you know, they, to, to, they could afford to not go with the hot hand. So you could do all that work you want, but if you're not the chosen one, it's not going to matter. And that's why he was so deflated. And, you know, it was interesting to watch. It really was. He used a lot of the same verbiage that Brian Danielson used after that main, WrestleMania main event we just talked about, the one with Edge, where Brian Danielson said, I didn't feel like I main evented WrestleMania. I felt nothing. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel special. I felt nothing. And that's what this company does to you. Everyone chases the moment. And then... Which is what's funny about that, too, is like in the presser, people were kind of like, hey, Sammy, like it must have been amazing to be in front of Montreal with that increasing crowd. And that's not how he answered it. Yeah. Like you said, he's like, you know, guys, honestly, I don't feel anything. I feel weird. He's like, I don't know how I feel right now. Right. And this is what he's saying. He's like, I feel people weird. Were like I... smiling like, man, what a moment. Yeah. Like, ah, you were in front of, you know, 19,000 people and they were cheering. He, and that wasn't the face of a man that was just happy that he was in front of his home crowd doing it. Yeah. They, the people at the presser thought they were going to get like, hey, you know what? You know, yeah. I, I tried my best, but yeah. God damn, what a moment that was. And it's really incredible uh, yeah. to be in Montreal. Uh-huh. And that's not what they got. They got, like no. you said, I felt nothing. I feel weird. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know how I feel right now. They got a dose of reality. Those. Those clapping seal folks <laughs> in that room who who don't understand wrestling, they just don't understand wrestling. They they just take what that company feeds them, and you know they want to tell Triple H how great he is. And someone else did that again. If you could fucking believe it, he <laughs> the got, question was great. Yeah. Triple H, not everybody has found your, but you have done an incredible job so far at the transition. To- no, the guy actually said the guy said you've been so incredible in your transition. Everyone agrees. Oh, that's that right. He said everybody agrees. So, right. Yeah, he said everyone agrees that you've just been so – how is it that you're able to be so great at this? And Triple H was so embarrassed. He was like, well, I don't know if everyone agrees. <laughs> that's right. He was like, uh, I don't know if everybody agrees. But uh, <laughs> even even he was, was embarrassed, embarrassed by, by, the by the elusive phrase. The, the, the phrase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, even he was <laughs> – even he was like, I this is cringe. I can't listen to this. Right. You fucking marks. God damn it. Like, yeah. The clapping seals. The clapping or 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 that's Byron what they are Saxon. in that room. All right, seals, here comes a superstar. Yeah. Clap for him. Or 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 that's get the media. Fish, get fish thrown to him. They don't even get fish thrown yeah. to him. They don't get anything. They should. They should throw sardines at these people. <laughs> the guy, the guy that said, "How, why, how is it that you're able to be so <laughs> yeah, great? How are you so great, sir?" They should have thrown him a fucking sardine to catch in his mouth. And, and you know, that's what they. Or, 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 here's a treat for the fucking for the fucking clapping seal. They, they, they clapped when uh, Edge came in, and Edge was like, "Geez, I don't know why you're clapping." Like even Edge is like, <laughs> "The fucking like clapping," you know? So. uh then Brandon Thurston actually does ask Triple H, how do you feel about a potential sale? Because Triple H has never been putting on the record about this. If you can believe it, 
Triple H has never been put on the record about how he feels about the company being for sale. So Brandon asked him the question. And Rich, you actually have blue check mark wrestling media personalities on Twitter blasting Brandon. I know. I saw that. that I, 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 I so badly wanted to get back on Twitter and just say, you fucking idiots. Are you kidding? One guy asks a yeah. real question and, and, and people are, oh, that's the question you ask. You get Triple H and that's the question you ask. Yes. Yeah. He's on yeah, the board of directors for a company that's telling you they're going to be sold. Yeah. Yeah. You yes. Know? You ask it's, uh, it's, an executive in the company that's on the board of directors about the massive potential sale going on in the company. Well, it was that stack guy, Greg, who's one of the dumbest people imaginable that has a voice. I mean, so it's not surprising, but uh, yeah, it's crazy. Like you get a decent question. You put a guy on the spot to to go on record with the biggest story in wrestling. Listen, get this through your heads. Get this through your fucking heads. It's the biggest story in wrestling. Yes, you ask him. Yes, you ask him. Thank God for Brandon. And Pollock had that hand up. He did. I don't uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure he would have asked a good question, too. I'm positive of it. I know Pollock had a good one. He had that hand up and was ready. He didn't get called on. You can't make him call on you. So I tried to tell people. I can't believe they called him Brandon. They were like, uh, Brandon, they are like, and I saw it, and they cut to him, and I'm like, oh, God, that's Brandon. Uh-oh. <laughs> Rubbing we go. the hands together. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, here we go. And and yeah. what was good about that, too, and 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 – did Triple H give much of an answer? He didn't. But we always say non-answers are answers. Yeah. Look at his body language. He squirmed in the chair a little bit, got a little, you know, comfortable and said, oh, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, he didn't say anything. He kind of danced around it a little bit, but uh, but eventually said, said it is what it is. You know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. You know, there I was have, good. I have the look, look, I have the greatest job in the world. And, uh, you know, I, I stay out of it. I stay out of it. Yeah. It, it, Do you? Because you did a board. Day, of, you voted for, to let Vince right, back in the board yeah. of directors. So, at the end of the day, it is what it is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, that a, a non-answer can be an answer, and you know, um, being evasive is is an answer. Right. I mean that you know because Brandon did say, especially with Vince McMahon back in the fold or whatever, back in the That's company right. or whatever, and and Triple H did not uh, respond to that part. So, yeah, yeah. You know, so, um, I'm loving the seals. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to overdo it, but yeah. No, yeah. yeah don't do something like the noise again, but I just, I, I would love to see, you know, Byron Saxon. There's like, all right, who wants it? Just toss it. Yeah. <laughs> Tossing sardines in the crowd. Matt Camp jumping up for one. <laughs> Matt Camp's there. He owes the show. You can't have him there. <laughs> ridiculous and then the one person asked and they're like i forget what it was some woman in the front row or whatever she's like hi i'm from da -da 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 -da. i'm WWE social media ambassador for the weekend and i'm like what are we yeah doing? what is that what are we doing yeah, why is that person i feel so bad for john pollock and brandon thurston oh, and these people they have to sit next to hi i'm the social ambassador social media ambassador let me ask you and matt can you host a show on the network <laughs> Matt Gam. You're not allowed to be there. Oh, my God. Oh, jeez. Ah, man. Yeah, but uh, I know, but honestly, though, in a vacuum, I did think it was a good match. Um, it would have been a great match. Great match if they would have nailed the finish, cut down on some of the other bullshit. It got in my notebook. That's a low-level notebook batch to me. Rich, I liked the show. I thought Elimination Chamber was a pretty good show. Um, I thought... I thought Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley fucking rocked. I mean, I I love that match. Um, you know, we're like the last two people on earth who enjoy the Brock um, 
you know, energy that he brings to things. And but you know, when it comes to Brock, it's almost like they skip right to the closing stretch of the match, but it doesn't feel like you've been cheated of anything. It's just let's get down to business and see who can beat the other guy up in under five minutes. And I love that. And crowds are always super amped for Brock. And Lashley's a great opponent for that. And then Brock just destroying everybody after the match. I didn't even mind the DQ. I no, didn't I didn't mind, mind it either because the- it works. Brock's like, ah, I can't beat this guy. Fuck it. And just punches him in the dick. You know kicks what I mean? him in the dick. Like, yeah. I, like, I, yes, we are the last two people on earth that like these Brock matches. But I love it because he's like, I don't know. This guy's this guy might beat me. Fuck this. Boom. It just punches him. You know, he, just- he was about to lose. So yeah. instead of instead of losing to the full Nelson, he said, fuck it. I'm just going to kick yeah, the guy in the knew, dick. He knew. He knew. Shit. I might lose this match. All right. Fuck it. I'm just going to kick him in the dick and see what happens. And, and then you. beat everybody up. Yeah. Right. And, 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 you know, I, I, I thought it was the best match in the show. I, easy notebook for me. I, I thought it was great. Um, you know, the, the men's elimination chamber was a, a, a good yeah. style, spot fest style for that. I, I mean, think it wasn't I don't anything. like elimination chamber matches because I don't I, like them either. I don't like I was, them either. I heard that this one was great and then I watched it and it was it over and great. I was like, meh, I don't know. I guess they're just not for me. I didn't think it was great. No, it wasn't great. It was, uh, it was good. I'd call it very good. Even. Yeah, Montez um, was great in it, and, and and he's another example of a guy that it's like you you guys do you not see what you have in this guy. Do you not understand what you have? And the answer is no, because they had him curb stomped, and and they did the pity like you know, all right, we're gonna have this guy lose, but let's have like you know the medical people take him out of the ring so that he'll get a pity clap or whatever. And then they sent him packing, and then it was okay. Now it's time for the real stars, Austin Theory and Seth Rollins. So it's like all right. And, right. they, you know, they, they set up the Logan Paul, Seth Rollins, WrestleMania match, which yeah, which is going to rock, too, by the way. I think that has a chance to be great because <laughs> Logan Paul rules. So I think that has a chance to be great. And Seth is a perfect opponent for him. The only question I have is what happened to Logan Paul Ricochet after they did all that shit at the Royal Rumble? <laughs> poor Ricochet. I'm, you know, I'm like, <laughs> I know you're I earnestly guess, asking, but I love it that it's like poor Ricochet. Oh, man. <laughs> so I guess we're never oh, doing shucks. it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Paducah, Kentucky, right? <laughs> I think so. so yeah. I, he doesn't. I, he doesn't actually talk like that. I, I didn't. I didn't do the Osh shucks because he's from Kentucky. I just did the Osh shucks because that's like a. I thought you were doing a Kentucky accent. No, 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 no. But you're right. He probably has a little bit of a twang to him. But just the, yeah, the idea of him right. sitting back there eating catering. He's you know putting a you know a cantaloupe in his mouth, and all of a sudden he's looking ball coming out, and he's like, oh man, yeah, I'm not getting that spot, am I? You know, it's like shit. All right. So I mean, the main event, I thought was um you know with its flaws was still i thought roman and sammy did a great job um the elimination chamber was very good the men's and i thought brock and bobby lashley fucking rocked um more of that please instead we're getting brock versus almost <laughs> um i thought that uh he's gonna beat almost in like a minute so it's not and then almost is gonna get fired so i think we're 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 fine now the women's chamber was a nothing match i don't even have anything to say Z- dude i um, hate WWE does this story a lot, and I don't know why anybody would want to watch this. Why do I want to watch somebody who doesn't want to wrestle? Yeah. What? What? Why am I interested in watching Carmella not wrestle? Because the whole story of the match <laughs> is that she's scared and doesn't want to wrestle. Yeah. What? I, I, I would watch yeah. Stan Hansen, like you said. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to watch yeah. fucking. Why do I want to watch somebody not want to wrestle? Well, telling stories. Right? Is, telling okay. Stories. Well, that story fucking stinks. You know what I like? People that want to wrestle and want to win a match. And here's Carmella running into the pods and screaming and going ah. Uh, like great yeah cool awesome yeah i don't know i corny cornball shit that's <laughs> wwe it's cornball yeah. shit um i did enjoy Liv morgan getting eliminated like immediately 
the star making performance. Yeah, I she think came out just... and I was like, I, and I remember watching this and I was like, all right, let's see. There's going to be a good opportunity for her. And then I forget what happened, but she just get, like, boom, boom, out. Hit the bricks, Liv. And they're like, yeah. ding, ding, ding. Liv Morgan has been eliminated. <laughs> I was like, oh. All right. Well, I, I think they've finally given up the ghost with her. I yeah. mean, they gave her a, they gave her an honest chance or as, a, as honest a chance as you're going to get in this company. It didn't work. I mean, you remember how I mean, she was brutal during that period where they tried to push her and um, she just doesn't have it. Um, yeah, it was a nothing match. And then Beth Phoenix and Edge versus Judgment Day. Beth Phoenix, I thought, was abysmal. In this she match. was so bad. Did you did you hear the presser? Because uh, uh, John Pollock did ask a good question to Beth in a roundabout way. Did, did you hear yeah. the question that he asked her? Yeah, he asked her about preparation, basically saying because you haven't wrestled in a while, basically <laughs> saying because you fucking stunk, yes, it was it was great. Yeah. Again, a good a good way to do this presser. He's like, uh, how do you uh, you know how do you uh, attack like you know returning to the ring after uh, time away? Like how how do you ramp up to get ready to go to like essentially? Why were you so bad at this? Like you knew this match was coming, right? Like why are you so terrible? But uh, she, she and then she has good. the audacity to dress up as Bull Nick. Get the hell out of here with your Bull Nakano cosplay. Look, I mean. She's been a pretty good performer in this part-time role. She was bad in this match. I mean, there was a bunch of messy spots. She there was one pin save where she was about five minutes late, and the referee looked <laughs> yes. like a total goof. Yeah, um, so her timing was all off with shit like. I mean, she just was not good at all. Uh, and yeah, I didn't think much of that match, but it wasn't terrible or anything. She was terrible. Um, nothing on the show was terrible. I thought three of the matches were good. And the other two kind of just were there. And overall, this was one of the better WWE pay-per-views in a long time. Um, if Sammy would have won. Oh, it would have been one of the best ones in a long, long, long yeah, time. Yeah, this would have been a legitimately great show. I mean, that was the difference. I mean, this went from being a pretty good show. And it would have been a great show if Sammy would have won. And he's holding up that belt. And the crowd's going nuts. And that music is playing. This would have been a great, great show. As it was, it was still, to me, one of the better I can't remember the last WWE pay-per-view that I liked as much as this one because um, I didn't hate anything on it. And I really, really liked a, a three of the five matches. Uh, how many matches? Five matches? Five matches. Uh, one, yeah. two, so, three, four. Yeah, five. Yeah. Because these fucking chamber matches take forever. I know. But, I, um, and they t- the worst part about them, too, well, I, it's the worst and the best is when you're watching this because I didn't watch this one live. Um the introductions, oh my but God. but if you watch like two days after Joe, you skip all the introductions. The yeah. video flies by. Yeah, you yeah. can't believe it. You're like, what? Why did it take yeah. so long to do like the WWE entrances? I, I used to. Well, I don't watch any WWE entrances anymore. They take forever. You don't realize yeah. how long they take until you start skipping them, and then you're like, oh my god! Like I just saved so much time not watching Liv Morgan have to you know do the whole. <laughs> You know, like yeah. ding ding, then she comes out, she's twirling, and it's like you skip all that, you're good. And then the bell rings, you're like, all right, perfect. You know, because these matches, yeah, especially like the men's one, which was a thirty minute, you know, chamber match, add in you know five or six entrances, it just took forever. But no, you don't have to, you just skip them. So, did you like the show, or did you not like the show? Uh, I think I liked it. I think ultimately, I liked it. I think the end, I, I it ended me on a sour note. You know, watching watching yeah, Roman and yeah, Sammy, but yeah, yeah. And I, and I watched that part live. It was good because the dunk contest ended right when they were hitting the ring. So I was perfect. I was able to watch that live, which, which certainly helped. But, you know, going back and rewatching the show then, you know, the next day. Yeah, there was a lot that I liked on it. But ultimately, yeah, it does feel kind of like a wet fart ending, though, because just the way that that is. So, but I but I agree with you that if that ending, if they nailed that, it had been really good. 
it'd been really really good show but yeah ultimately with, with that ending i'm i'm kind of in the middle here but but better Man, than most I, of the I, I love I love shows that have super hot crowds like that for somebody. It's oh, yeah, like, yeah. And they were hot yeah. for everything, too. If it just would have delivered, you know, you would have had a, a very much a Daniel Bryan, Kofi type moment for, for Sami Zayn there in Montreal. would have been really, really great. Um, okay, so we have, we, we have so much shit to get to. Rich, speaking of clapping seals, uh, we got to do this Helwani. <laughs> yes, let's so, talk about Ariel Helwani. Let's do it. So my man pops up on SmackDown with the WWE branded fucking microphone doing he's part of the show. That was very clearly part of the show. And then he pops up on the pre-show panel at the pay-per-view once again, very clearly as part of the show. Um, after the SmackDown appearance, Tony Khan tweets out that he's a fraud. You can pull up the tweet and read it verbatim if you like. Um, and this all dates back to the friction that Helwani and Khan had in the aftermath of their interview. Now on the, I believe it's the October 22nd flagship. I don't know if that's the exact date. Let me, I don't have the date, but I do have the last time we talked about. Um, Let me see if I can find it. Keep, keep so talking. I'll see if I find it. I think check late October, but um, cause I just listened last night. Uh, October 14th, 2022 was the show. So that's the show. And I even have timestamps for people. Okay. So it's about 34 minutes in on that October 14th flagship where we talk about the Helwani situation and it runs for the segment runs about a half hour. Um, I lost my damn timestamp, but it's about 34 minutes. The point here is, you know, I don't have a lot to add from the last time we talked about it. It's funny though, Rich, that we closed the segment with saying, now we know what Helwani's about, and the mask is off, and there's no facade. He's not a journalist, and now he can go do all of the WWE pre-show panels he wants and and do their bidding because he's Nick Khan's boy, and it's very clear that he has no interest in being a fair and uh, journalist in, in this media. And that was our conclusion at the end of that 30- to 40-minute chat we had about Helwani the first time. We defended the questions he asked Tony Khan because they were fair questions. Tony didn't want to answer his questions. We agreed that Tony was a shitty interview. It didn't want to answer anything. We agreed with that. What we took issue with was that when he had a chance to interview Paul Levesque, it was softball city. It wasn't the same energy. No questions about Vince McMahon, which is completely absurd. Then he doubled down in the aftermath, defending the idea that he didn't ask uh, Paul Levesque any questions about Vince McMahon, which was completely absurd. So at that point, you and I hand-waved Ariel Hawani. Mm -hmm. We said, we know what this guy's about now. We all know he's Nick Khan's boy. And, you know, he's he's not a serious, he's not going to be a serious journalist when it comes to wrestling. That's all there is to it. And what's funny here is the aftermath of this Khan stuff, he, he now admits that he's not a serious journalist when it comes to wrestling. But here's the problem, Rich. And here's the problem I have with Helwani now. And I feel like it's going to be similar to the problem you have with him now. If you don't want to be a wrestling journalist, that's great. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. If you want to appear on WWE programming because you don't consider yourself a wrestling journalist, again, I don't have a problem with that. But you can't interview the heaviest hitters in pro wrestling like Tony Khan and Paul Levesque and Nick Khan and these people and then also say that you're not a journalist. Right. I agree. You, you can't cannot have, it both have ways. your yeah. cake and eat it too. Right. Perfect. You cannot have it both ways. That you can't do. You want to appear on pre-show panels. 
You want to hold a mic on SmackDown, that's fine. But once you start interviewing these people, you don't, you can't hide behind, hey guys, look, I'm not a journalist. It doesn't work that way. That's where I have a problem with him. And, you know, that's basically an extension of the conversation we had with him last time. And here's the other thing you can't do. Well, I was going to say on, report, on his show. You can't, re- you can't report news. Right. Well, and he's also an MMA news reporter, too, at the same time. Which I find yeah. kind of strange if you're going to say, well, I'm not a journalist. I'm, but in MMA, no, I am a journalist for MMA and I'm going to do MMA journalism here. But now once I talk about wrestling, no, 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 that 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 I'm just a fan now. Yeah, can't do that. And, you know, the reason he's hiding behind that is because he knows he's wrong. I think deep down he knows he's wrong. And it's also immaterial to me whether he took money or not. He's part of the show. You know, you could almost get away with just doing the little five-minute spot on the pre-show panel. You could almost get away with that. Not in conjunction with appearing on SmackDown with a WWE microphone and doing stand and doing spots. No, that, you're that's show. you're on the show. You are a part of the show now. You're yeah. a character on the show right. now. Whether you like it or not. And they're using you. And I know he understands that. He's not dumb. He thinks he's just out there having fun. That's fine. But then you can't press Tony Khan, then complain about how bad Tony Khan treated you on the interview, and then throw softballs at, at Paul Levesque. That you can't do while calling yourself a journalist and appearing on their show, whether you were paid or not. You can't be part of the show and then do those things and then say, I'm not a journalist. That's bullshit. You can't do that. And that's, I think, the problem that Tony Khan had with him when he saw him on SmackDown. It's like, look, man, you're a fraud. No, you're trying to play it both ways now. Yeah. Whatever it's wherever it's convenient for you is what you're trying to do here. And that that you know, fuck off. And maybe and maybe Tony shouldn't waste his time tweeting things like that, but I'm sure he was upset in the moment. And then Helwani coming back with the snowman thing. Now listen, I don't have any problem with Helwani, as they say on the streets, Rich, clapping back. Okay. Maybe he should have thought that one through a little more. You you you're well aware I, of the streets right now, man. I, I, listen, I spend a lot of time on the streets. You know. I don't know if you want to go there with that kind of implication with a dude who's got money to burn and can litigate. And you know, I'm sure Tony will just drop it here or maybe he won't. Here's the other thing people need to remember. Tony Khan's tight with Dana White and you know, Dana White's history with Helwani, which I'm sure contributed to the fact that Tony Khan didn't want anything to do with Helwani. Because remember one of the ideas behind that interview was, Helwani started that interview by saying, man, Tony, I had to chase you down. You've been ignoring me for months. And he made Tony look bad right off the jump. I said, oh, you've been ignoring me for months. Yeah, oh, now, by the way, it was, contentious, it was a contentious interview from, from the, the jump. And that's what we said, too. Like, for all the people saying, like, and I agree that, yeah, Tony didn't answer all the questions. But it started off very awkward and it never got any better. It started right from a position of, of, of I don't Why respect don't you. Like you. Me? I don't yeah. respect you, and why don't you like me? You know, why don't yeah. you like? But done in like a a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You know, oh, why don't done you respect me? Smarmy Tony? Way. Yeah, a exactly. Smarmy it was way. very, very smarmy. It wasn't a genuine. Why don't you like me? It's just like a hey, Tony. Why, why did you? You know, very, very, very like, wise ass kind of right. Way. Exactly. And, and Tony undoubtedly ate him up. And I agree that it was a horrible interview from that standpoint because he didn't get anything out of him. But Tony came into that thing not wanting to give him anything. And he wasn't going to give him anything on the punk stuff anyway, because he hasn't talked about that with anyone. And, um, you know, and and Helwani then didn't practice what he preached with, Vin, with, with, with Levesque, softball city. And that annoyed Khan. I'm sure that annoyed Khan, which is why I called him a fraud. 
Because then it turns out, now it also calls into question, how long have you been in bed with them? Now you're appearing on their TV and you're a television character. How long have you been in bed with them? And does, because we were suspicious after those two interviews of your intentions and where you stand. Then you appear on their TV. Now you confirm everyone's suspicions that you weren't being fair and that you're not fair. So it's fair for people to say, well, how long has this relationship existed? Because we already know you have the pre-existing relationship with Nick Khan. So I don't know. You know, for Hawani, you got to pick lane. Either you're the guy that just wants to have fun, who wants nothing to do with wrestling, or you're the guy who's going to get, who's going to score the biggest interviews in wrestling and do them fairly. You can't be both. So I, I don't know. I, I that's my problem with them. What do you have anything to add? Not really. I mean, it, nothing more than than what we said in October when when I that that became to me very obvious and very clear that like you like you said the mask was off and and I knew where he stood then and I was never going to take him seriously ever again as as any sort of journalist and so this 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 new dust up to me was kind of surprising because I kind of thought everybody knew where it was but maybe being on SmackDown was officially like the oh okay now we have, now there's not even a bit of pretense there's no there's nothing keeping this guy between just being a, 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 a straight up WWE employee at this point. You, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's very little separating him from just being a guy on the show and he wasn't, he was on the fucking show. You know what I mean? So uh, getting shout outs on commentary and stuff and, and really like on the nose uh, stuff. And then they just got, they were so gotten to all weekend. WWE was gotten to and Ariel Hawani was gotten to, and they were just on the offensive the entire time. And it's just so, weird and just unnecessary and like what are you guys doing it's just well it's... he tried to ride that snowman thing through the whole weekend and 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 it's like he was trying he was living off the fumes of that one right we get Twitter it comment. it's like yes. we heard you yes yeah. you you think he does coke we heard you you've said it over and over like like I, look I, I look everyone has a right to clap back so to speak they do okay but i, I don't know if that was the wisest way to do it um, yeah, that's, you know, a great, I, that's a that's a tough road to go down. I mean, you you have no idea what I mean. Can you prove that? Can you back that up? Right, I mean, insinuating that and and hell, what if this guy is like, hey, I'm on Adderall because I have ADHD or whatever. So thank you for you know making fun of me. Like, there's a lot of way, like there's so many different weird ways this could go, or just straight up like you just said that I took cocaine and I'm an executive for a company. Like I can you know I can I'm allowed to you know dispute that you know what i mean like that that I that's mean, a disparaging remark that could affect my you know my my, my future business and, and stuff like that that's yeah there's a lot of ways that this could go if you really wanted to so i don't know if he really necessarily wants to go down this road but to him it's a game and and that's the that's it's been that way from day one for me with, with helwani is he thinks wrestling is a fucking game and it's a joke and well mma serious and i cover mma but this wrestling <laughs> come on it's wrestling like whatever dude i do whatever i want who cares You're like and 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 like you said that then the connection to nikon comes up and, and that becomes a, a gateway to him, you know, having whatever, whatever that relationship is going to be moving forward. So, yeah, to me, I was never surprised. I, like this last thing didn't surprise me because I already knew where it stood on in yeah. October. Yeah. But for it to be as blatant and then so obvious, it's just like, OK, and what do we do? And then he's in that room. He's in the fucking press room later at the end. of the, well, It's like, get and, out of there. And then he's making clarifications and reporting on the Saudi sale when all that was going down. Well, you get, are you a journalist or not? You know, and, and it's like, now how can we take anything you say from a journalistic standpoint when you they may be paying you? You're a character on their show. You have as much credibility as uh, as Pete Rosenberg at this point, which is zero. So, um, you know, it's uh, 
you know, it, it it's it's not surprising, like you say. Um, but I, I feel like well, he's a guy who I've lost interrupt. a lot of I've lost a lot of respect for him because I, before any of this has gone down, I I thought of him as a guy who stood up to Dana White, and and I mean. If, if if Dana White, if there were sexual abuse cover-ups in Dana White's company, I I do you think Ariel Hawani would have asked Dana White those questions? Certainly. If there were sexual abuse cover-ups and payoffs in AEW, do you think he would ask Tony Khan those questions? Absolutely. Then why didn't he ask Paul Levesque? Great question. I mean, that's all. That's that's all. This that's who it comes down to. Well, and then another thing, and Andrew brings up a great point in uh, in the No Dope's chat room. Is that uh, he says, quote, it was also annoying and disingenuous that Helwani tried to spin TK's comment as a slam on Tony Schiavone, because I don't know if you heard that part of it, but yeah. Tony Khan's like, you're no, you're no different than Tony Schiavone on my television show. And Helwani's like, oh, you, you know, really disrespectful to your employees. And it's like, no, what no. he's saying is you're just a, you're a character on their television show. That's all. To- right. Tony Schiavone's not a hard hitting. He's not getting Br- an exclusive on Britt Baker. All right, Britt, let's, you know, tell me all about Adam Cole's concussions. It's like, he's a character on the television show that asks right. kayfabe right. questions. Like, yeah, why that, do you not the, get yeah. it? He, that was the analogy, and right. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not surprised that Roman Reigns' avatars on Twitter were too dumb to understand that. Of course, but I'm, but I'm surprised that Ariel Hawani didn't understand that. Well, he got you know, owned, and then had to tell everybody all weekend that he wasn't owned. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not owned. I'm not owned. You know, he was telling you you're mean, Gene Okerlund. Now is what he was telling you. He was telling you, you know, he was telling you like Tony Schiavone is a is a paid employee of mine who's a character on my show, and now you're a paid employee of theirs who's a character on their show. That was the analogy. I, I And I figured anyone would have understood. But <laughs> never really uh, never be too uh, – giving too much credit to Roman avatars. And, uh, and, and, and Hawani more and more. Like, yeah, it's unbelievable right, right, that, right. That, that that went over his head. But, um, you know, and he's going to do his heel Wani stick shtick and everything. And it's like I just – I've lost a lot of respect for him. I mean, I, I – I, and, and – and, we were kind of we kind of defended him the first time we talked about it from the standpoint of asking the right questions. Right, he asked Tony. good questions to Tony right. and, and and pressed him and didn't get the answers. And we said those were all good questions and they were the right questions to ask. And there was a good ultimately it was a a while it was contentious and he didn't come at it with the right attitude. He tried to ask good questions, but then yeah, when the Paul and then it was just like oh okay never mind. And then you ask Paul nothing. I mean, you ask Paul if Bray Wyatt's coming back. I mean. Which is fine to ask if you're going to ask him some legitimate questions. Otherwise, yeah, it admits his father-in-law and the, the the main person in the company, you know, with rampant sexual assault allegations or whatever. But now you don't. Yeah. Well, now you're you're a clapping seal. Now is what you are, and and I never thought of him that way. But I mean, you know, now, now do you think Tony should be tweeting out that he's a fraud? I mean, I I don't know. Probably not. You know, and that kind of avoids all that. But I, you know. He wanted to hammer home his point that, look, this is why I was contentious with this guy because he's a fucking fraud. Now, look, here's the other thing you have to understand. Again, Tony's tight with Dana White. So there's already – he probably already came into this relationship not – like, Hawani was probably correct in that. Tony doesn't like him. But now Hawani – I don't know if you saw this. He called Tony kid the way Nick Khan does. <laughs> Rich, they're both 40. I was going to say, they're probably the same age. In fact, I would assume that Harold Hawani might be younger than Tony Khan, actually. Are they the same age? They're both 40. Oh, fuck you, then. You can't. I don't know. I don't know who's older in terms of months or days, but. You can't. That's fucking really disrespectful, then. 
yeah, when he went on his little show the next day, he's like, oh, and then this kid uh, calls me a fraud. And it's like, you know he's picking up that verbiage from Nick Khan. Yeah, uh, Ariel is older by a couple months. He is July 8th, and Tony is October 10th, both of 1982. Yeah. They're both 40 years old. They'd be in the same high school class. Yes. They would be in the same high school class. What a fucking turd. Like, <laughs> but, but that tells you that that's the verbiage. They right, right. That, that's what's being said in, in conversations. Along with snowman and, you know, yeah. everything else, which <laughs> I love the um, idea, too, of like the dunk on uh, an executive in a wrestling company is this man does cocaine, which is like, I mean, all right, <laughs> I'm I'm yeah. I'm fairly certain, Joe, I, I, I'm going out on a limb here that I would say some management in, in world wrestling entertainment and the World Wrestling Federation at some point probably dabbled in a little bit of the uh, no. uh, cocaine. I, I, again, I, I don't know that for a fact. Oh, but, well. And and some raping. Well, well, yeah, that too. But you know, and, and a little bit of raping. Let's not leave out the raping. So yeah, I mean, what are we doing here? You know, <laughs> right. I know it's like yeah, a if the worst joke. thing a wrestling executive could do is do cocaine as opposed a to blow. Yeah. <laughs> it's a consistent pattern of sexual abuse across it. You know the, the yeah. I don't know. I take the cocaine guy. I think. I think I would. You know. But anyway. <laughs> I'd rather work for the cocaine guy than the sexual abuser guy, but yeah, that's me. Uh, I mean, I know it's a Twitter <laughs> joke and everything, but it's like, you know, the guy hates your guts already. I don't. I just don't know if I'd walk that line nah. if I was Hawani. I might. I might avoid that one. Um, yeah, I mean, but look, it's like we said last time. Nothing has changed. We all know where Ariel Hawani stands yeah, now. Now you I all know. Pers- I personally lost a lot of respect for him as a reporter and a journalist because. You know, it just it changes everything. I mean, he knows he can't hide behind. Oh, I'm not a journalist. Well, then don't break news and don't do interviews with the hardest hitters in the business. You can be you you could do, do be Ryan Satin if that's what you want to be, but you know you can't you can't do both. You can't have your hands in both. Right. It, it just isn't fair. All right. So that is Ariel Hawani. That is World of Wrestling Entertainment. Uh, let's. So we can, I think we got this. I think we can do this. We got a little bit we more to go it. here. We got, we, we got it. We're in good path here. I'll talk about Battle, Battle in the Valley. Yeah, Battle in the Valley. New Japan's Battle in the Valley. Uh, <laughs> Fight TV, New Japan production. I don't get it. I don't understand. I wasn't watching live, thank God. I know you were watching live. Um, something like, what, a 30-minute delay, 40-minute delay to get the show started? <clears throat> Then yeah, when it starts, the screen's melting all the time, or it's just yeah. going nuts. And then they finally get it going, and the sound is terrible. You can't hear the crowd. The entrance music's too loud. Like, what? I watch shows from 1987 and Guard Armories, and it's like, everything's lit fine. I can hear the crowd. I can hear the announcers. I can hear everything. Why in 2023 does wrestling still sound and look like this? It shouldn't. Um, it's an embarrassment. It makes them look minor league. They had probably a shit ton of first-time viewers for the uh, Sasha Banks fans who were checking out her first match in New Japan, and they really came across like a minor league joke of an organization. Right. It looked minor league, and it sounded minor league, and and yeah. and uh, the arena, just the way the, the arena was lit kind of looked minor league. It sounded terrible. Didn't work. So if you started, it's like, hey, sorry, we're going to start in 40 minutes. Like that stuff doesn't. You're talking about fans. Like you're saying, like you're talking about a fan that that is that is coming in from only watching WWE or only watching AEW or whatever. And you're going to come in and say, oh, sorry, the show's going to start in 40 minutes now. That's indie shit. You know what I mean? You, yeah. You, got, and, you can't and do that. 
and and you know fight has that money back guarantee and i know a lot of people in our discord who got their money back and ended up watching the show for free and i'm sure that they weren't the only ones there were probably a bunch of people who were like i got to get on with my fucking night and you know and and fight just giving out refunds it's not fight's fault i mean they they're, they're dealing with what the feed they're getting from the building um so who knows how much money new japan lost on this as well with people who were just frustrated and didn't want to wait around yeah the production's an absolute disaster the sound mixing was off um, you know, and it's a shame because it was a really, really great show. Oh, I think cool. I mean, a lot of good stuff on the show. This is an important, not only was it a great show, it was an important show for New Japan. Yeah, and by the end of it, the show was so good that you almost forgot about the production issues earlier in the night. And thank God they were on the West Coast starting late, uh, where they still finished up at a decent time for the people who were live in the building and everything. And they had a lot of energy for those for those last two matches. So um yeah, I mean, it was a great show, though. I thought that, um, look, I thought uh, Monet and Kyrie was the best match I saw this weekend. I, I thought it right with I you. Thought it was phenomenal. Yeah, I thought phenomenal. it was great. And, and, and I had all that worry, the same worry that we talked about in the preview, that she was going to come in here and maybe she wasn't going to deliver. Or she was going to bomb or it just wasn't going to feel right. But now we know that the Tokyo Dome thing was just weird. She's trying to do a move that Kyrie had no idea what she was trying to do. She was trying to do it in, in 19-inch heels and stuff. It didn't work. It was weird. But then she came out here and she... It was the old Sasha. You know what I mean? Like I was kind of worried. Do we? Are we ever going to get that old Sasha again? Are we ever going to get? She was here. I mean, th- this was it. This this was. She was great. Kyrie was great. They worked their ass off. It was the style of the match was good. The back and forth was good. Going through the table and and I mean they nailed it. They absolutely nailed it. I went four and a half with this match. I I, I thought it was phenomenal. I thought Mercedes looked great. Kyrie looked great. The right ending. The right finish. The right. They hit all the right tones. I mean, this is. This they they nailed it and 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 all the credit in the world to Mercedes as well for you know she could have easily said ah, I fucked up the Tokyo Dome thing ah this thing's been kind of weird or whatever no she came out there and owned it and owned that building and and when it was done you're like yeah that they got something here this was a great well, investment by is, New Japan I, I also went four and a half I thought this was on the verge of being a match of the year contender level match it didn't quite get there but it was close um, I thought that this is look these are two of the best women's wrestlers in the world and. I thought it really stepped up a notch when it left the ring and they, they did the spot through the table uh, up by the ramp. Uh, that was impactful. Then they got back in the ring. The work here was very good. It had that uh, Sasha Banks thing where it's right on the verge of almost being sloppy but wasn't didn't quite cross the edge. Right, she'll fall on her head a few times and you're like, oh. No. But it works for the match. <laughs> yes, it always it, does. It always does. It, it enhances the match because there's an element of danger once she wrestles. She's a very small person. Slight of build is what I mean. But her shit still is impactful. And that's hard to do. And uh, sometimes that's the problem I have with some of the Tokyo Joshi Pro Girls. It's like their shit doesn't have any impact. It's like they're they're lightly floating feathers attacking one another. And it bothers me. She's a slight of build, but her shit has oomph and it has impact. And Kari is great. I mean, she's always been great. Oh, she's phenomenal. And I thought they just crushed it. And the right person obviously won. They finally got her finisher straight. And I got to tell you, they put they put her messy, ugly performance in the Tokyo Dome firmly in the rear. Oh, yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll never think about it's, that ever again. 
Yeah, no, it's 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 ancient history. I did like in the uh, hype video how they did that clever edit. Yes, <laughs> I was like, oh, I wonder what they're going to do here. So she picks her up, and all of a sudden it, it cuts to Kyrie on the ground. They're like, oh, <laughs> that was like perfect. I love it. I was like, are they going to show it? They didn't show it. It was perfect. I, I and I appreciate it. I thought her look too was was good. I mean, obviously it was the Hanakamura thing or whatever, but I just think the hair worked a little bit better. I didn't like the fire hair thing. Like I, the whole Tokyo thing was weird. But again, they didn't wallow in that. She didn't wallow in that. They just they said. Said, all right, fuck it. Move forward. That wasn't great. We all know it wasn't great. Move forward. And 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 once the ring, once you get in the ring, it'll all be fine. And 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 yeah, it is. I mean, nobody is thinking about that Tokyo Dome thing anymore. No. And as far as Okada Tanahashi, um, I thought the Money Kari match was better. I thought that this was uh the second, <laughs> this is weird, the second quote unquote worst Okada Tanahashi match of their series, because they've all been great. Um, the only one I thought wasn't as good as this one was Dallas. I think I like I Dallas. There. I think I like Dallas a little more in this one. I, I would call this the, and again, qualifying the worst Okada Tanahashi match uh, ever, but again, yeah. qualifying that. I went four flat on the Dallas match. That was all atmosphere for me. And I thought they just played the hits. I thought this one was a little bit better. I went four and a quarter. The other thing about this one, similar to the Dallas match, but even more so with this one, because it was four years later is Okada has so far surpassed Tanahashi and Kayfabe that they are smart enough to not do the long closing stretch, the, 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 um, you know, there's never a serious. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think they're, I, they're done having those matches. Like they can never go back to the old Tanahashi Okada matches at this point. And it's because it doesn't make sense for the story. Right. Right. Okada is just better than him now. Tanahashi's older and in Kayfabe, he's nowhere near Okada and that's right. how the matches play out. Yeah, so I thought it was brilliantly worked from that aspect because their last few matches have been that way um, where it's Tanahashi is older, he's aging, the story is he's on the decline, and Okada is the dominant champion at the top of his game who also happens to be wrestling like an absolute fucking animal right now. Oh, yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. So, and, and this match was played out, if, at the beginning of it was, he's he's toying with this guy. He's like, you fucking old asshole. Get him, you're, you know. And then Tanahashi gets him a few times. It gets him with the dragon screw. And, but then, again, like, so he, he gets him on the ropes for a little bit, but even on the ropes is probably too strong. It was like Tanahashi got his, some of his shit in, but then Okada, when he wanted to finish it, just said, all right, we're done here. Emerald Flosion, Inziguri. Raymaker, one, two, three, you're done. Okay. And that's it. Yeah. But, but he and toyed with them for a little bit and he was kind of cocky and, and, you know, getting up from a move and kind of smiling to the crowd and gesturing and doing that sort of stuff. He, th- this guy's beneath him now. This guy's not on his level anymore. And that's good. Yeah. I think that's a good way to tell the story because he that's should be on his level it. anymore. Okada's at the top of his fucking game and Tanashi isn't. That's the, that's a good story to tell. It's the right way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought that they, they worked to the story of where both guys are in their careers and, and, um, and you know, it, this isn't going to be any kind of three-match series or anything like that. Okada put him away, and he's going to move on. He's just better than this guy now at this point, and it was worked well. That's why I like it a little bit better than the Dallas match because, to me, the Dallas match was just this is special to these people because the Americans really love all rivalry. The, uh, most of the people in this building are here because of us and because of this rivalry. We're going to play the hits for these people, and they did a great job of it. This one more fit the story of where they're both at in the context of the promotion today. That would be my mindset as to why I preferred this one a little more than the Dallas match. 
but neither could approach their best stuff. I mean, the dome matches and the uh, the invasion attack match. I mean, those are just oh, all that, time. That's another, yeah, that's another pantheon of, of, of matches. Yeah, I mean, come on. Those are just all-time great matches, and these are just really like, very good matches. So, yeah, the last two matches absolutely delivered. And then uh, very quickly we'll go through the rest of this. The opener, Kevin Knight, Kushida, DKC, and Volador over Adrian Quest, Josh Alexander, Mascara Dorada, and Rocky Romero. My problem with this, we didn't get enough Volador and Rocky. I agree. I agree. Well, and we're not going to get much of it on Fantastic Mini either. That's so. a joke, too. That's an absolute joke. <laughs> what are we doing? What? That Rocky. And look, we were going to talk Fantastic Mini. We're going to run out of time. So we'll talk next week after the tour, I guess, is wrapped up. And really, the only two shows that happened were the inconsequential ones. With Right, right. The, the, the money stuff is coming soon. So we're The fine. next four nights. The right. next four nights. Because the, tor- the, 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 the tournament starts tonight, then the tournament finals, and then we're in Corkin. So we'll talk about that stuff next week because I'm into that because CMLL is so hot right oh, now. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Watching but all the shows for sure. Rocky and Volador didn't mix it up until post-match, which <laughs> I know. bothered me. Yeah. You know, they barely, you know, I, I want to see Santana Martel, you know, going right at it. So uh, uh, Kevin Knight scores the pin, though. Yeah, and he's going to get that uh, that TV title match later, too. So they're, they're, they they got something in this guy. I I, I like the, the looks good, and, and the work's getting pretty solid, too. So they, they, they've, definitely, they've definitely gotten something with him. A few years ago, Rich, on an American New Japan show, a young lion scored a surprising fall. Jay White. Just store it away, is all mm-hmm. I'm saying. None of these things are accidents. Just store it away. Kenta. Wins the strong title from Fred Rosser uh, with help from Rock Hard, Juice Robinson. Um, a stack of quarters. <laughs> yeah, so I guess we're going to get Juice Rosser at some point. You know, I'm trying to look at the bright side here. Kent is coming off a loss to Tanahashi, and then he beats Rosser, who has done nothing but work his ass off uh, for this title. Does this free up Fred Rosser though to kind of maybe get to Japan at some point? Yeah, this maybe year? They can, maybe they can elevate him a little bit. Maybe he's in. He's not in the cup, but uh, maybe he can do. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I would hope so. He's earned more. I, I hope that he gets more. Listen, this guy deserves a chance to flop in Japan. That doesn't mean I think he's going to flop in Japan. What I'm saying is he's des- deserved a chance to at least flop in Japan and say, all right, maybe he's not cut out for the Japanese side of the company. Because he's worked his ass off, and he's been, you know, the the star of, of New Japan Strong. So I, I'm hoping they do more with him on, you know, the other side of the uh, the Pacific, Rich. Yeah, at some I, point I, I'm year. with you. Yes, in the uh, the Far East, but uh, <laughs> the, the as Mike Tanay would call it, the Orient. But uh, yes. uh, Fred Rosser just recently returned from a trip to the Orient, <laughs> a tour of the Orient. But uh, uh, no, like, yeah, I 100. I'm with you. Yeah, I, I, he this guy is has been great, and we're a Fred Rosser appreciation podcast and, and everybody really should be he's been great and he needs to do more than what he's doing like the, if he's, he's not going to a strong open weight title then he's got to be doing something you know what i mean like they, they, there has to be something more for this guy because he's been very good he looks the part he acts the part he he he's been nothing but a great asset for for them so i i do hope that this is not either the end or things are just slowing down and he's just going to do some you know meaningless feud with juice or whatever so should we mention Kenta doing the go to sleep in the direction of CM Punk? Yes, up in the <laughs> I like it. And he yeah. had some shitbag tweet too that I loved afterwards. Yeah. I wish I wish Kenta's body was still Kenta because he's not. He's so washed up. But God, his his character work and his brain. 
Ah, he's one of those guys. Yeah. If you look at the chart, like his 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 brain got to its peak and his body is just plummeting. Yeah, and it sucks because yeah. these could have co- coincided at the same time. Yeah, man. I forget yeah. what was the shitbag tweet. I'll I'll find what it was, but it was just like I heard a, a fan was like you know was appreciative of my of my move on because he always calls it my move or whatever. It's yeah. oh, it's yeah. so good. Let me see if I can find the tweet. But so oh, I said I mo- heard that my biggest fan in the world came to the arena last night. I hope he enjoyed real go to sleep. I yeah, love that's it. Right, God, that's I love right. it. Yeah, um, yeah. CM Punk in the building with uh, with Rob Naylor enjoying the show. CM yeah, Rob Punk Naylor, Rob Giselle Shaw. It was like a very weird. It was yeah. Lars Frederick or whatever. Yeah. yeah, Giselle Shaw, CM Punk, and Rob Naylor. Like, That's a diner table you want to sit at. Oh, absolutely. The stories that can right. be told there. Yeah, yeah. You, you wanted to be lucky enough to have a ticket behind that row, right? <laughs> right, right. You know, so uh, uh, Motor City Machine Guns defeat the West Coast Wrecking Crew. I have nothing to say. I have nothing match. either. Yeah, well, I was really looking forward to this match. And then I remember that it was done. And I was like, all right, cool. Uh, and then now we're talking about it now. And I, I forgot anything about. Yeah, I have nothing. I got nothing. It was aggressively fine, as people used to say, but have stopped saying lately. I think everyone just beat aggressively fine. Yeah, we, we overdid it. And, we overdid it. Um, but I, collect- I, I like that. I'd Not- like to bring it back, but it's going to be a while till we can bring it back. So this is the prime definition of aggressively fine. This Motor City Machine Guns West Coast Wrecking Crew match. So uh, Eddie Kingston defeats Jay White. Loser leave town. Um, first of all, loser leaves New Japan. Match? The whole town. The whole the whole kitten caboodle. Yeah, not loser leaves San Jose. Uh, this is loser leaves. Yes, New Japan. The, the promotion. Uh, which they used to call in the old days, Rich, Loser Leaves Town, because the promotion used to be the fucking town. <laughs> right, so, exactly, yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, what did you think of the match? Did you think uh, this is a great match? What did you think of this? Uh, so I saw a lot of people say that they loved it and they thought it was great. I uh, I thought it was fine. Joe, I thought it was aggressively fine. No, it was better than aggressively fine, but it was okay. I don't know. I didn't love it the same way I saw a lot of other people love it. Maybe they're, again, they're invested in the Jay White thing and they're invested in, oh, this could be it for him. I just kind of looked at it as all right. It's Eddie and Jay White, and then Eddie won. I don't know. I've had I've I've seen much better Eddie Kingston matches, and I've seen much better Jay White matches. Ultimately, I thought it was just okay. I thought the drama down the stretch pushed this into notebook territory. Um, now you watched this live, right? I did. Okay, so I think watching it a couple days later, knowing full well who won and who lost, this probably takes a little bit away from it. I could see that because some of those Jay White kickouts were pretty dramatic in that it's like, wow, is he going to come back from this spinning back fist? Are they really, did they really dick tease us into this guy's going to be out of new Japan, but now he's going to hit a switchblade out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Or right, right, whatever, right. His, whatever his finish was called. I know it's not called the switchblade. Um, so yeah, the, the drama down the stretch was very good. And, and Kingston is, is good. I thought Kingston was sloppy at, at, at points early in the match, but um, the closing stretch for me uh, pushed it over the top. And I thought it was, uh, uh, very dramatic. So uh, low-level notebook for me. Jay White, we'll see. I don't know where this – we talked about it last weekend, the week before. We don't have to beat it to death. I, I don't know what's happening here. I don't know if his contract's up. I I think we can get a better read of it depending on what – like if he pops up in impact wrestling, all right, the work is on, okay, because he's not choosing that, okay? If he pops up at WrestleMania, all right, then I guess his contract's <laughs> then, really Yes, up. I believe he has so, left New Japan for wrestling, yes. So I'm just going to let this one play out. We don't have time to really dissect it on this show anyway because we're running out of time. Uh, filthy rules fight. Tom Lawler defeats Homicide. Look. I thought this sucked. I hated this match. 
look, I I have never been a fan of homicide. Uh, you know, I would I would I went to Ring of Honor shows live when he was at the peak of his fucking popularity, and I never understood it. Like people would go bonkers for this fucking guy. I wanted to watch fucking Davy Richards and Roderick Strong, and and I want to watch my geeky work rate shit. I never was a big homicide guy, and I'm still not. So, and Lawler is the kind of guy who kind of, he really needs the right opponent. To be completely honest, so. I'm with you. I didn't love this. It had its moments. I didn't hate it, but um, I don't know. I, I See, didn't love and it. I and I like Homicide and I like Filthy Tom. So I was thinking, man, this is like one of my most disappointing matches between two guys. Like, not mo- maybe not most disappointing, but these are two guys that I both think are good wrestlers that had like a, a bad match, and this was bad. It, it was not good. I Homicide's kind of washed <laughs> at this point too, so that doesn't help. Uh, but no, it, it, Homicide's been washed for fifteen fucking years. <laughs> I, well, yeah, maybe, but he doesn't even have like I don't know. There, there used to be like a an oomph to his stuff, or there used to be some sort of vibe. He to, had an aura. He had an aura. There's no aura anymore. He's just a dude that's just not that good anymore. So yeah, and this this just did not just never ended either. Sixteen minutes, way too long for this. Thing. Let, let's go let's go come on let's get this thing on the road so he had a great he had a great entrance theme in ROH. hell that yeah he did the truth um, beanie siegel but it was like there was the half of the roh roster that i like it was homicide bj whitmer jimmy jacobs yeah like, oh yeah that part of the roh roster i had like no interest in. yeah you just wanted like, to see I, davy richards do a suicide dive into the crowd <laughs> you know what I mean? yes <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I wanted to watch my work rate guys, and I didn't really, you know, BJ Wimmer and Jimmy Jacobs drill, you know, pushing railroad spikes into each other's head. I, I wasn't at ROH for that. You know what I mean? I wasn't there for homicide, pouring bleach down Colt Cabana's mouth, you know, and shit like, like that. That's not why I was going to ROH shows when I was at the peak of my smartdom in, you know, 2006 or whatever the fuck. So um, I was just never into the guy. I don't know. Um, Zack Sabre Jr. defends the television title against Clark Connors here. Uh, I thought this was a uh, a good match. A good match. Um, you know, the Sabre thing, it's, you know, we've talked that to death too. Um, I really hope they're setting up one of these young guys to knock him off. Who knows? Maybe a Kevin Knight. Maybe a, uh, maybe a, what's his name after he loses the six-man titles at some point with Suzuki and and, uh, and uh, Ren Narita. Ren Narita. maybe Ren Narita will come, you know, but um, I didn't think Connors really had a realistic chance to beat Sabre here. And he didn't. Uh, they pushed the time limit again. Sabre loves pushing this. Time I wish limit. he wouldn't. You know what I mean? I really wish that it's, like it's overplayed. It's, it's overplayed. overplayed. Yeah. And it's like, I want you to go in there and beat Clark Connors in 10 minutes. Like, and there's not really a, like, there's not a whole lot of like, oh my God, here comes the time limit. You know what I mean? It's just like, he's toying with these guys. Until we get kind of close, and then he's just like, all right, here, I'll tap him out then now. So it's just, I don't know. I I, I want a little bit more oomph in these matches. I, I thought the 15-minute time limit would create, like, a, a sense of chaos, and it's really not. They're just kind of, like, not that fun matches for 13 minutes, and then there's, like, a minute where Saber puts the last lock on, and then it's over. So I don't know. I need a little bit more juice out of these, and, and I haven't gotten them yet. So there was the one good spot though where Saber went for like the Euro clutch or whatever and Connors pushed him off and locked like there was a couple really cool creative yeah, spots. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of, there was good um, stuff in this match but ultimately it wasn't like yeah, it just didn't it wasn't that exciting for me. I don't remember if it was a tweet or someone texted me but um going back to the Lawler Homicide match there was a point where they pulled the door out from under the ring and CM Punk turned to Nailer and was like why do they have a door? 
And he had to explain to him that tables aren't in anymore. It's, it's doors that they use now. Like doors are the new hotness. Like CM Punk was completely oblivious to that. <laughs> well, if you, if, like, you ha- if you don't watch like modern indies, I, I could get that. Cause yeah. Yeah. Like how would CM Punk know? It, that? it is weird. And it is strange too, for the record. Yeah. Like CM Punk's not tuning into game changer wrestling, uh, you know, whatever the fuck on, on insert a rap, yeah, insert notorious big album name here. You yeah. Know what I mean? like, right. Um, no, but I did like that. Uh, at one point, uh, uh, Ian, Ian Riccoboni, who, who's, you know, one of the best in the biz, every time they would, they get a weapon out, he would say, well, the reason we have that underneath the ring is for the da, 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 whatever. And at one point drama yeah. King, Matt is just like, Oh, well, why even bother explaining it? It's wrestling. Ian. <laughs> it's like, yeah, at one point I, I like, I, I appreciate Ian being like, Oh, we have that below the ring in case we have to change the, you know, the guardrails or something like that. But I also appreciated drama King, Matt just being like, who fucking cares? It's wrestling. <laughs> like just, Ian's the best boy. You, he's uh, the best. He's, he's trying. He's like, well, we have a door underneath the ring just in case. <laughs> like, you know, he tries. You leave, but yeah. you leave Ian alone. I know. I know. I um, love Ian. I, I appreciated his attempt to do that. I also appreciate, uh, you know, Drama King Matt just being like, shut up. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Drama King Matt. Yeah. Because um, because no one can say or spell his last name. So it's Drama King Matt. I, I have no idea. It's Ray Wall, right? But I don't know how to spell it. If you if you put a gun to my head and said spell Ray Wall right now, dead I, man. I, I'm done. Yeah, blow your brains out. You'd be fucking R E I. I'm done. Yeah, I'm already done. I think. So that's the uh, battle in the valley. We're not going to do Fantastic Mania. We'll push the New Japan Cup stuff again too because we want to get to this uh, All Japan Triple Crown. A, a Triple Crown title switch is being squeezed in as we go over time <laughs> at three hours. Right and we did no, and we did no banter at the start. No, either. I didn't even try to. Not show. even the, the we said oh, our technology might suck today. All right, let's get to it, and then we got to it. Yeah. So, um, Yuji Nagata. Now, I tried to warn people in our Discord. We have a really good All Japan channel in our Discord, and everyone was kind of against the idea, scared that Yuji Nagata was even getting a title shot even the remote possibility that he could win the triple crown and put it on a 54 year old man from another promotion. And I, I remember going into the discord and being like, look, I'm not in favor of it either, but you can't write it off. I, I think that they might do a switch here because these two guys had that feud last year and it really went unresolved. And this would be a nice little bow on that for, you know, Nagata to get this guy who's been a cocky little prick to him and everything. And they did the switch rich. So Yuji Nagata is your new Triple Crown champion. He's got to be some kind of elite class of guys who have won the IWGP, the Triple Crown, the GHC. Yeah, we were trying to figure um, that out, and, and and yeah, I don't know that we ever got to it or a, a definitive I know answer. that he, Kojima, you know, is one, and um, uh, Muto, I guess, would be one, and I'm sure uh, maybe uh, Takayama. Did Takayama win? I don't even know if he won all three off the top of my head. But, um, you know, so Nagata wins the Triple Crown. Defeats Kento Miyahara, and what I thought, um, he really took Kento out of his comfort zone, and um, you know worked a very story heavy match. Not story heavy in the Roman Reigns sense, but in, in <laughs> like a, a good story, like an actual good story, a pro wrestling story. Right. Yeah, and then he just beat him clean with the fucking you know the the exploder. The yeah, two exploders. It was great. I, yeah, I, I, I love that finish, man. And and with the, 
I was going to say right. Kento. He he does the exploder suplex, and Kento's eyes are open as he's pinning him. Just like, oh no, <laughs> you know, he's out. He's he, he's selling that he's just been knocked out and just you know just completely cannot stand you know what just happened. No, I I thought I thought Nagata looked great in this match. No, look, Nagata can still go. Just like Kojima with his run in Noah, uh, it was very obvious that he could still go, and he was one of the better wrestlers in Noah. Yuji Nagata can still go, and New Japan's not going to push these guys anymore. They have their philosophy and. Um, I mostly agree with it. Uh, I think you do have to get the new blood uh, in the mix. But when these guys go to other places, they get to stretch their legs and do things like this. And now you now listen. Before Noah really fell off the shelf, and before the bullet, not the uh, Suzuki Gun invasion, when Yuji Nagata won the GHC title, uh, probably going back seven eight years in Noah, he popped business a bit. Yeah, he did. And he was. He drew for them during that time relative to what they were drawing before, doing numbers that they would love to do now. Honestly, I think some of his matches did four or 5,000 fans when he was GHC champion during what wasn't a great period for Noah. Now, I'm not saying you know they're going to be running fucking Budokan with him as champion here with All Japan, but maybe there's a little something to this to where they think that this can spark a little something. You know, this drew 1,400 fans to Cork and Hall. Hot crowd, too. The crowd was great. Hot crowd, and it's a good number for all Japan coming out of the pandemic, you know, when a lot of groups are still drawing sub-1,000 in that building. And, yeah, it was a triple crown match. You know, I get it, but decent crowd. Maybe, you know, uh, they've got a little something here. All Japan just feels fresher in so many ways. We've talked about it a million times. You know, we saw Yuma Anzai on this card lose to Shingo. You know, not much of a match, and it shouldn't have been. You know, Shingo did what he had to do to beat. Anzai is not at a point where he should be challenging Shingo and 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 nearly beating him. So that match, you know, was what it should have been. Naruki Doi, who's, I mean, he's he's the old shit bag that we're accustomed to. This is the shit bag Naruki Doi, and he made the challenge on the previous show, and and he wins the junior title here over Atsuki Aoyagi, um, who was a better champion than I thought he would be. And I think that's a good move. And, you know, he's aligned with um, uh, he's aligned with Minoru Suzuki. And um, uh, it's getting late. And we're three hours into the show. Uh, forget the third guy that they're aligned with in uh, in all Japan. Someone in the chat room will say it. So uh, Doi, I think, brings something interesting to the uh, to the junior title for sure. Uh, you could question, all right, we've got a new Japan wrestler who's 54 years old. It's a triple crown champion. We've got a former Dragon Gate wrestler who's Got to be in his 40s at this point. Who's another outsider, 42 years old for Doi as our junior champion. Um, you know, we're putting a lot of our titles here on on people who 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 aren't. But look, all Japan last year probably had one of their lousiest years that they've had in a long time. It, it was boring. It was dry. They couldn't get Jake Lee over. Uh, they didn't draw well, and um, you know they're trying some some different things, and you know they've 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 got some new young guys like the Saitos and and Anzai, and and they're trying to get Naoya Nomura back in the mix, and they've had uh, Takuma Nomura in, they've had Minoru Suzuki in, and I like everything they're doing right now. I think it's just uh, so, uh, so much. Uh, the company is just way more interesting than it has been probably in the last two years or so, and um, and I and I'm looking forward to watching their shows as opposed to well. I do this podcast and we talk about it. I am paying for the service, so I may as well watch it. 
No, I'm looking forward to watching these shows now. I think the, the cheering crowds are going to probably help a new, uh, All Japan a lot as well. And I, I didn't really quite get it until I watched this match and the show. And I was like, oh, okay, this is – it feels like a hotter and, – and, and this is a person that did okay in, in the clap crowd. But there were, there were very boring shows too. They would get very boring at times with All Japan because some of the guys work a pretty boring style. But it, it – it, it has a little bit of juice. It has a lot of energy with the, the crowds. And yeah, I think this, this shit, you, you got to go in there. Yeah. Like you said, it, it, it seems on its face kind of like, oh my God, like Eugene Nagata, like what, what are we doing here? But like you said, it's a weird, they, they have a strange roster now, but strange in a good way where you have Naruki Doi, you have Yuji Nagata, you have Kento Miyahari, you have Aoyagi, you have the all Japan guys that they're working on, you know, Minoru Suzuki, who's probably going to continue to work uh, in, in this company for a while too. So there, there's enough guys in there that are kind of sprinkled in to the point where it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like the same all Japan that it's felt like for a long, long time. It does feel a little more fresh and a little bit more unique. Plus they're, they're working on those young guys like on Like we said, I, I don't think he's quite as, 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 as fully together as a lot of people think he is, but but he's still solid. You know what I mean? He's still really really good. So there's enough on there. There's you know Amore who go to Amore who's, who's solid as hell too. So um, yeah, I, I think it's fun. It's a fun show, and, and I would definitely recommend people check out this Nagata Kento Miyahara. I, I went four and a quarter on it. Uh, toyed with four. You know what? I can go four and a quarter plus because we're doing the plus. That's what I did. Yeah. Because it's it's four not a four and a quarter and half, plus, and it's better than four and a quarter. It's four and a quarter yeah. plus. So um, I agree. But it's that it's it's really good. It's it's really. But it, more than anything, it's like Kento Miyahara is just the best man. He comes out and there's like this little group of Yuji Nagata fans and he's got this whole arena going nuts for him. You know, what I mean, there's this all of Cork and Hall's going Kento, Kento, Kento. But this one group isn't. And he just won't walk past them until they all start chanting Kento, Kento. And he's just staring at him like, no, I'm not walking until you chant my name or whatever. And eventually a few of them go, Kento. And he goes, okay, now. And, he, and then he gets in the ring. And then it was awesome because when, when he loses the match, they cut to those fans. And those fans are going absolutely nuts with their blue justice banners and stuff. And, and it was just, it's cool. Like, it felt it felt like a really fun show. The crowd was loud. Nagata was good. Miyahara was good. Definitely check this one out if you get a chance. Go out thought- and watch this one. I thought it was a little better than the Miyahara versus Takuya Nomura match from January, and I thought it was not quite as good as the Miyahara Yuma Aoyagi match from February fourth. So yeah, I, had that's, it right I, I think that's exactly where I would place it too. Yeah, so I I, I had it right in between, but um, you know, they it looks like it looks like the Onita stuff is no. Well, wait a minute, Onita. That exploding match. I think we still um, have that coming up, right? No, no, they already did it. They did. Oh, the, good, the, good, good. They already did the, um, the 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 tag match, but um, the exploding tag match. But he won the titles. They he won the all Asia tag titles with with Yoshitatsu in that match. Oh, so he you will just be keep back. him. Now you can just keep him. That's fine. Oh, you just wanna you wanna just uh, do away <laughs> with the all Asia tag team titles. <laughs> if he if he's got them, sure, go ahead, just. Keep him. You just want to flush the legacy of Kinesky, <laughs> no, one of the most prestigious tag titles in Japanese wrestling. Look, yeah, it's, he, had, it's had a rough go the last. That's what I'm saying. Like maybe gonna... we need to let it go. Maybe we just need to let it depart and 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 move on with our lives. No, but... Onita's coming back, and you're gonna like it. Yeah. And I'm not gonna and, watch it. Is what I'm gonna do. Well, Onita's gonna come back, and you're not gonna like it. Is is more appropriately is 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 how I should put. It. Look at their roll call of champions, though. Yuji Nagata, New Japan. Uh, Minoru Tanaka is the Geora TV champion. Not that that matters much, but uh, Onita and Yoshitatsu were the All Asia <laughs> champs. 
the rookie doi uh is the uh junior champ and uh, and and Naoya Nomura and Yuma Aoyagi are the tag champs every title is held by someone who isn't <laughs> re- technically probably not the company. great yeah i don't um, that's not great is it i don't think that's great but it it, it does all feel fresh though I, I think at no, this point so. they're not like we need to. They're not a company that can sustain itself on its own. They're they're they they've entered that weird period where they're just kind of a I don't know what you would call it. Like not in, I mean they're an indie, but you know what I mean. Like I, I don't know what to call it exactly, but they're they're one of those companies now that's it's just a big like indie. big indie. I guess they're just a big indie, yeah. And and they just they don't they don't have to be beholden to like a set roster. It's just you know who's ever available. Come on in, do a little run. Makes it more interesting than it has been at least. Um, they're a big indie with the historical name and the historical titles. And, you know, if they do a big triple crown title match, they can do a mid-sized, you know, 2,000-seater kind of building and put people in it. Right. And and they still um, have Kento. They still have a star, too. It's not like they're completely, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I've enjoyed their year so far. I mean, last year was a real slog all the way through. And they did announce the carnival blocks. Do you have those in front of you, real uh, quick? I do. Yeah, I can. I can give them to you right now. Here. All right. <clears throat> so um, these are the carnival blocks, and obviously this won't be for a number of uh, April. Yeah, months. April eighth. So we're, we're we're ahead of the game here for sure. But uh, April eighth, uh, running through May seventh. The A block is Yume Oyagi, Kento Miyahara, Yoshi Tatsu, Ryuki Honda, T Hawk, Jun Saito, Cyrus, and X. So obviously you look right at Kento and Aoyagi, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the obvious that you, you look at. We don't even know who's going to be Triple Crown champion by by April 8th. So it's kind of you, you can't look at it from that standpoint. Nagata could be champ. He might not be champ. Um, and then there's T-Hawk. And then other than that, like, oh, Ryuki Honda is a guy who, who, uh, who, who I'd like to, but uh, – you know, Cyrus, I, I like him ironically. I do like him ironically. Yeah, but you can't um, get too excited about Cyrus. You know, you, Yoshitatsu fucking stinks. And, you know, each block has an X. So what about B block? Uh, yes, B block is Suwama, Suji Ishikawa, Shotaro Ishino, uh, Nayo Nomura, uh, Hokotu uh, Omori, Rei Saito, Yuma Anzai, and X. So everyone's going to be watching Yuma Anzai against all the veterans, right? That's going to be what everybody has their yes, eye on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, Nomura. Dude, Anzai versus Ashino sounds fucking awesome. I can't wait for that, too. Yeah, Nomura is going to be, obviously, I, I think he would be the a favorite to win the block. You can never count out Suwama. Although, could this finally be I the year? I think we could. I, Joe, I'm going to put it on record. I think I can call I, I, hmm. He's He hasn't been. I think we got to call it. I think we got to call it. I think we got to do it. I think he's done. I think it's over. You think they're finally going to cycle him down? I do. I do. Ishikawa has long been cycled down. I, this could be the Suwama has not been figured in. No, he's just yeah, toying early. around in the I, undercards and stuff. Maybe he's, he's just waiting also, to pounce. He might just be waiting to pounce. But he's part of the whole. They're trying to do a women's thing, and he's a big part of that. So his attention's diverted. I feel like they gave him but, that to kind of just say, like, "Hey, why don't you go go over there? Why don't you deal with that? You know that, that you know we we, we know we still we, you're still a, a vital part of our company, but what, you know why don't you go work on that a little bit? I that's what I read. I read we're not going to put you in a big time spot anymore, so we're going to give you this other thing to kind of bide your time. I'm not going to speculate on the X's. Um, I've seen people say like, well, maybe it's Nagata. Maybe it's uh, Minoru Suzuki. Well, why wouldn't they just they say would just announce them? that they would just announce I mean, those guys. I would, I would assume those guys are there and you know, that'd be kind of silly. I mean, they're already there, so they're going to be true outsiders, not outsiders who are already outsiders already working there. So, 
I don't know, but um, yeah, that's in April. So we're way over time. Yep, we are done here. So that is it for us on the flagship. Again, we will get the New Japan Cup. That's our new Starcade 1991. I promise you we'll go over the blocks or the uh, the the, uh, the brackets of the New Japan Cup uh, uh, next week. But uh, we cannot do it this week. We're out of time. So that's it for us. Uh, flagship Patreon.com, Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling, Voices of Wrestling.com slash Patreon for all of our bonus audio. I'm doing Canadian Heart Month right now where I'm going through a bunch of great Bret Hart matches. Uh, we're going to have a live instant reaction of uh, AEW Revolution coming up in a couple of weeks. Weeks. Uh, excited to do that. All the live flagship, all of our bonus audios. Just did a deep dive this week as well. NWA World Heavyweight title in the 1990s. A great deep dive that's gotten just rave reviews uh, from everybody that's listened to it. So that one is available uh, on our $5 tier. So plenty of stuff available on the 5 and the $10 tiers. Flagship Patreon.com, Patreon.com slash Voice of Wrestling, Voice of Wrestling.com slash Patreon. Also, our Discord, you mentioned it a few times, Voice of Wrestling.com slash Discord is how you get on there. Uh, and then make sure you subscribe to each and every one of the podcasts on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. We would really appreciate that. And then, hey, throw some reviews, throw some whatevers you got to do, whatever the services you're on review it subscribe do whatever you got to do it helps us out tremendously and last but not least our youtube channel as well we're continuing to try to grow that one as well so just search for voices wrestling on youtube and you will find us there so that is it for us for joe i'm rich we'll talk to you next time on the flagship podcast take care hey kids do you like wrestling well we like wrestling too we are shake them ropes here on the voices of wrestling podcasting network myself and chris novembrino kind of doing a lazy river of wrestling criticism going through the news and whatever happened in stateside television wrestling and also you know what sometimes we just like to watch old stuff and talk about that too love for you to give us a listen if you haven't already we are shake them ropes here on the voices of wrestling podcasting network Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now, but I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.